0: Everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we are closing out 2022 with a special panel where each of us will be selecting our top five films of the year. We're going to start by talking a little bit about a few of the films that we caught during the, uh, what I like to call the award season sprint of November to December, and then we're going to go through our top five films, uh, and there will be roughly two special awards that'll be paired with each one of our top picks, and we'll get to those here in a moment. But joining me are three of our most frequent collaborators here on The Cinematic Schematic. Uh, First and foremost, my co-host and award-winning Oklahoma filmmaker, Leron Chapman. Leron, welcome back to The Cinematic Schematic, sir.
1: Look, I love any excuse to spend more time with you throughout the year, Caleb, so thanks for having me. That's the real Christmas gift, you know.
0: Likewise, I'm (laughs) flattered. Also rejoining us. uh, He's the co-host of the good trash genre cast and a good trash media co-founder Dalton Stewart Dalton. Welcome
2: back. Hi, Caleb. It's very good to be here. I've come not with takes but thoughts and ideas. (laughs) I I, I need to think
0: about that idea for a second here. (laughs) Dalton, always a pleasure to talk movies with you as well. I hope you uh, had a great holiday season with the movies. Yes?
2: I did. I did. It's always a good holiday season. Look, it's me. It's the holidays. That means I'm watching a lot of movies. That's what's going on.
0: Exactly. That's what's the best part about the, uh, the Christmas New Year's Sprint. Uh, and last, but certainly not least, joining us as a contributor here at the Cinematropolis. He also writes for Flick Attack, Oklahoma Gazette, and a lot of other cool places around the world, like World Literature Today. Whoa. Daniel Bowkemper, welcome back to the Cinematic Schematic.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I wore my finest film criticism shirt uh, just for the occasion.
0: It, it literally says film critic on the shirt. It does. <laughs> yeah. So everyone knows. <laughs> oh, man. we So we have a lot in store for today's conversation. I think it's going to be a little longer than maybe some of our in-depth reviews. But before we get into any of the awards that we're going to be discussing today, I wanted to note uh, this is one last opportunity. If you've been listening to us throughout the year, I think I counted, there's been around 35 podcasts. Uh, if you've been listening throughout the year and you've enjoyed the conversations, uh, really give us a little bit of a holiday cheer Wrap up the year well with a little uh, review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, leaving us those will go a really long way and set us up for a great 2023. All right. Well, gentlemen, I, again, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the air quotes award season sprint, but uh, we did, uh, several of us around the table through one means or another, did attend some of these uh, award season uh, screeners that the studios send out, usually the months of November and December, to try to entice us to vote for their films and podcasts uh, just like this, or in the, the case of uh, Daniel Bill provide the Oklahoma Film Critics Circle, uh, Dalton, I know you guys have the Shelfie Awards on the Good Trash Genre cast. Uh, so anyway, they're, they're trying to entice us to vote for those movies here. there. So a couple I wanted to note that we did not have time to review proper on the cinematic schematic. I want to start with The Whale.
1: I know these rules can feel constraining, but remember, the point of this course is to learn how to write clearly and persuasively. Think about that. Think about the truth of your argument. You're an amazing person, Ellie. I couldn't ask for a more incredible daughter.
2: Are you actually trying to parent me right now?
1: Who would want me to be a part of their life?
0: I mean, this one's been a buzzed about all year long. I want to say, gosh, what, what, where did it, was it? Can that it premiered at? It was, I don't know. It was a film festival very early this year, and the story was Brennan Fraser. He's back. Daniel Bocamper, what did you think of the whale? Yeah, overall,
3: I, I enjoyed it. I think uh, Fraser deserves all of the acclaim uh, he's getting right now, and I'm sure that's going to translate into uh, more than a few accolades if it already hasn't. Um, it's also just – it's a powerful dissection of depression itself and I think in some ways it takes some of the ideas that Aronofsky was exploring with like a film like Requiem for a Dream and somehow manages to take those just a little bit further. Um, its screenwriter, uh, Samuel Hunter, also the original playwright of the uh, 2012 play The Whale, um, he is abundantly apparent. I think this is in a way one of Aronofsky's most like directorially passive – uh, film. So he's, he's, he's not, he doesn't feel as much of a present. He's still there. It's still an Aronofsky film. Um, but, but he, he, I think he takes, um, a backseat to, to the writing and the playwright ultimately. Um, and to that end, it sometimes makes the film feel just a little less, um, organic than what I think some of his better films, like for me, the wrestler, um, I feel is particularly organic and this one kind of loses a little bit of that doesn't necessarily necessarily say less it.
0: organic, you mean a little more like a play. A yeah, more
3: so it's a little more stilted and it's it's blocked as such too, and it takes from that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it, um, considering the source material. Um, but again, some some minor reservations, but overall I do think it's great.
0: LeBron Chapman, what, what was your take on the whale?
1: Uh I echo a lot of what Daniel said. I I'm singing the Brendan Fraser's you know, um, I'm on that train. I give him his flowers. I think that um, I've always thought he was a charismatic actor. I've never really seen him as a dramatic actor. Um, so um, I was actually just excited about the prospect of him being in a Darren Aronofsky project um, and seeing like what that was going to how how that was going to challenge him as a as a performer. And so that was the most compelling aspect of it for me. I do think the film is moving. Um, it is incredibly bleak. So I have to remind people who go to see it, you know, that um, you're not going to feel good after this movie, you know, and you're not supposed to. Um, I will say um, I think it was less nuanced than I would have liked it to be. Um, I, I had hoped that it would, wouldn't be so theatrical because I didn't know that it had, you know, other roots. Um, so there are elements there are certain moments that I could see would work really well, you know, on a stage or in a book that – on film in a more intimate setting, feel a little bit, you know, you um, know, organic. It doesn't feel true to life.
0: Certainly not quite as nuanced as you would expect. Yeah.
1: Um, but any scene with him and Hong Chao for me, just they they that got to the heart of the the human story for me. And so that for me transcended a lot of the flaws that I had with the actual production. Um, so I think it's worth seeing for sure for Brendan Fraser um i3 i agree that's touched on some really uh, topical themes um i just think that um some of the dialogue for me didn't ring rang a little bit hollow you know in 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 the way that it was delivered at least so mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah so i mean it, it really you're you're thinking the performances are are sort of uh the rise take-away. to the top yeah yeah, yeah. They're,
1: they're the takeaways mm-hmm. here for
0: sure
2: Dalton, had you seen the whale yet? Blind spot for me. I have not gotten to this one yet. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I'm a 1999's The Mummy Stan. Uh we, yes. love, we love Brendan in my household. Uh, like <laughs> Hong Chow a lot. I am. I'm looking forward to this one, but haven't caught it yet.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, highly recommend. It's now playing. If you're listening, it's uh, now playing here in uh, Oklahoma City, and I, I believe it's. I don't wanna say a fully wide release. I don't know how many theaters, but I wanna say it's, it's around. Not a, all it's now it's it's like somewhere around a thousand or less theaters uh around the country right now. But uh in most major cities you can find the the whale playing uh currently.
1: But I don't think you'll see any any better acting this year no. from I haven't seen a strong enough strong enough performer wow. in in that category. So I think that that at least is the takeaway.
0: Everyone in the movie – I think Samantha Morton might be the weak link, but she – and she's really only in one scene. And and she's not bad. I just want to reiterate. It's just compared to even – like Sadie Sink shows up and just drops drops a performance. I didn't – I mean I like her. I just didn't know she was of that caliber. I sure. mean Hong Chao's top notch. Yeah, I think um, – I'm not going to spend too much time on my, my take other than to say uh, I think – a little more nuance would have been good. I think Daniel you actually did a great job covering this in your essay that we published uh, on the cinematropolis.com last week. There is it's it's t- it, on the surface it's it's really diving into obesity, but it's really more about emotional trauma, depression, anxiety. And it, it it's clear that it's about the latter, but they definitely don't go nearly as deep into the latter or nor do they sort of make a, uh, I would say the most nuanced tie between Obesity and, uh, you know, anxiety, depression. depression. And as I said, my letterbox review, it's just such a long time to be so sad. very sad. <laughs> yeah. It's a long movie. And uh, yeah, there's really. I'll
1: never eat pizza or meatball subs this way. I tell
0: everyone, you're never going to eat meatball subs the same way after that movie. No.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's move on to the next one, which is Babylon.
4: I first moved to L.A. Signs on all the doors said no actors or dogs allowed. I changed that.
2: And now, y'all ready for something different? Whoa! <laughs> thank you, thank you, <laughs>
0: Uh, Dalton, you were just telling us before we started the recording, this was the last film you saw in the theater. What did you think of Babylon? (laughs)
2: Oh, what do I think of Damien Giselle's mixed bag Babylon? Uh, I wanted to like it a lot. I really did. I I went into this like ready to get my world rocked. $80 million, an auteur driven writer director feature, fourth one in the can, big movie, big movie stars, a big three hour long epic about, you know, the city of, of lights and magic and dreams. (sighs) <sighs> what a drag. What a slog. I, I want to like this movie. I, I know there are people who love this, especially um, the ending. I know is really connecting with some people, as you, you were mentioning off air, Caleb. I, I, I want to like this more than, than I do. I, I think there's some good stuff in here. Uh, my friend Kirsten said that there's a two hour masterpiece in here. And I think that that's pretty close to the truth. I think that the, there's some stuff in this movie that I really responded to. And in a shorter movie, I might have gone for the ending. But um, without spoiling too much, I'll say this. It's it's a movie that places a lot of emphasis on the the emotional catharsis of crying in a movie theater. And I love that shit. Love to cry in a movie theater, folks, if you don't know that about me. And this movie did not connect with me in that ending. And, like, again, I'm primed for it. I, I am, like, the target audience for this movie's ending. Nothing. So, uh, you know, I I'd definitely go check it out because there's probably not going to be another movie like this ever again. I will say that
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw I was this, listening to the movie
2: asserts that a little bit. <laughs>
0: I, I, I read uh, I read somewhere that, that this was Damien Chazelle putting it all in the field. He's either this is like him flipping the birds like this is it, guys. You're going to love it or you're going to hate it.
2: <laughs> like Definitely. You know? Yeah. It, it feels like a big swing in that regard. And I appreciate appreciate it on that level for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. OK, so kind of a mixed bag. Uh, Laurent, you and I saw this uh, together at uh, a film press screening here in Oklahoma City as uh, for the Oklahoma Film Critics Circle. What, what did you think of the film?
1: Uh, very similar to Dalton. I, was, I went into this very, like, prime to love it, even though I had known that, you know, that they had had an embargo on the film for, I mean, literally up to days before it came out, before it released. Um, so I went into a little bit of trepidation, but thinking in my heart of hearts because I love Damien Chazelle. Um, Whiplash is one of my favorite movies the last 10 years. Um, and, you know, I've just felt like, you know, he was, you know, primed to do a great job with this. And I felt like this was La La Land if it had snorted a line of Coke or two lines of Coke or a whole bag of Coke. You know, and so... Um, How about so, a whole mountain of Coke? A whole mountain of surface. Coke. Um, and I, I know what he's going for here. And I think that um, a lot of it, I mean, the first 75 minutes for me, I think are spectacular. Untouchable. Untouchable. I was... In it, I was in love. I was like, this is top 10 level, you know, Um, somewhere right there in the, you know, start of the second act, I guess you would say. It's three hours and eight minutes or so. Um, I just, it just lost me. It just, it never kept up the same energy or the momentum that that first part promised. And so even though I, and everything that they were telling me, I felt like I didn't need a movie to tell me this. I already know these things. Like he's not saying anything new. With this, you know, so that's that made the the terminal length even that much harder to sit through because I didn't feel like I was I was being nourished intellectually in any way. You know, so um, by the time we get to the end of that ending, you know, that the ending he's talking, referring to, um, I know what they're going for. It didn't land for me because I'd spent so much time not caring, you know, up to that point. And so I think if I hadn't been so bored in the middle of the film that I I could have bought into that ending a little bit more. I think the performances are great. I think Margot Robbie's like going for it. I mean, she's giving it 125%, you know, so she's, um, and she's
0: doing a lot with a a character that I would argue is, is not the, not, not the most nuanced writing, but she shows up and like, just takes that character
1: to, to a whole nother nother extreme. Yeah. But like I said, the first 75 minutes, fantastic. I think there were, there are moments in there that I just, like. how did they do this? like, You know, my head was spinning with how the crafts are on display. I love the score. I think the score is a lot of fun. It's really loud and busy. But I do really, I did really enjoy the score. I think, like I said, all the craft is on display. I think the story needed some significant trimming.
2: Totally. That scene where, uh, Margot Robbie and her director, are, like kind of collaborating, she gets like brought in at the last second. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm on fire for that scene. It was yes, yeah, incredible. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. There are uh, moments that this movie really pops. So yeah. I'm with you.
0: The, yeah. Without spoiling it, there's basically in the first, uh, act of the film, you kind of get a little bit behind the scenes of how the sausage is made with, with silent films. And no. it's, and, and it's back before there were unions and, mm-hmm. you know, like <laughs> there was regulations and it was just, how do you get this? How do you get the job done yeah. as fast as possible? And it leads to some of the most electrifying set pieces I've seen this year by a mile. Yeah. Unfortunately, Laron, not to reiterate too much what you sure. said, it there's a, there's a second, I think it's a second major party sequence in the movie. That's roughly yeah, around 70, 75 minutes of the movie. And after that, it just, it just goes yeah. off in a bunch of different directions. In fact, I would say Brad Pitt doesn't even feel like he's in the same movie as Margot <laughs> Robbie after the, after the, the yeah. together at the beginning and then it branches off and it never quite kind of quite comes back together. And thus, Whenever, you know, after you've been sitting through an hour and a half of like, wait, where is this going? And then they try to like put a very emotional pin in it. It just feels like it wasn't quite earned, even if I think the spirit of what they were trying to say was very present at the beginning.
1: It's like the cocaine just finally just you know, finally uh, tapered off and you're now, you're now normal again and you're no longer in that high that the first part of the movie gave you. So yeah, that's how, that's how I would describe it. (laughs) Lots of cocaine (laughs) references. A lot of coke. You'll understand when you see it.
0: We do not uh, endorse the use of uh, cocaine
1: on this podcast. No, 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 absolutely not.
0: And Daniel, you you had not seen this one.
3: No, it's still a blind spot. I am, (laughs) I am interested hearing everything I've heard about it now. Um, Damien Chazelle for me, I mean, I love whiplash. A lot. Uh, It is one of those movies. The more times I revisit it, the more I question why I love it and what that says about me. But (laughs) uh, in a good way. In a good way, I think some good films really do that. Um, And La La Land was one that became I I initially received very 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 positively, and have grown a little lukewarm on it. And now just hearing what I'm hearing with Babylon, I I wonder how it's going to sit with me because despite um, what the three of you are ultimately saying, which is still it's positive, but negative as well but I've heard some people who just absolutely love this film. Um love it to death and it'll some who are are prepared to even put it at their like number one spot. And oh, yeah. I I know and it it's
0: it's uh and that baffles me but it uh, it also
3: <laughs> intrigues me. So I will see
0: it soon. Well I think that's the thing I love about it is even if I think Dalton kind of outlined this even if I didn't love the movie I love that Damien Chazelle was able to make such a big ambitious movie. It's too bad it's a kind of a mess but also in a time where I didn't feel like original, like, tour driven cinema was hanging by a, a thread, I would probably be like, oh, great, we can discuss it. That's fun. It's just, you know, whenever whenever it feels like there's a lot more in the line, it's a lot more depressing when it, people don't come out universally loving it. But, oh, last thing I want to say um, Margaret Robbie's great. Brad Pitt, amazing. And I think only Brad Pitt or another, air quotes, movie star from that generation could play that role the way that they play A Leo, maybe Tom Cruise, maybe.
2: No. No. <laughs> yeah. Cr- Cruz left this performance behind years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the, the Tom Cruise that's in Magnolia could have played that Brad Pitt. Yes. Yes. Not the Tom Cruise that's in Ma- Maverick. No that's way. True.
0: Uh, that's true. That's fair. He's fully embraced. I don't even know what you call him. He, uh, he is a movie star. Stuntman. Stuntman, stuntman Cruz. Yeah. Biggest stuntman. <laughs> okay. Last one I want to uh, acknowledge here is White Noise, uh, the newest film from Noah Baumbach. Roll film. <laughs>
1: Steph calls cancer in laboratory animals, in case
2: you didn't know. Either I chew gum or I smoke.
0: What are these children, yours?
1: That's mine from wives one and three. There's the from husband two. Wilder is ours. We're each other's fourth.
0: Now, Dalton, I, I know you and I saw this in a screening together did, along with
2: yeah. Arthur Gordon. Uh, what did you think of this movie? You know, it, it's a great commercial for Don DeLillo's novel, and, and that, that, I think that that's a, a success. You know, if you adapt something, what you want is people who are not familiar with your source material to be more interested in it, and it definitely worked for me on that level. Uh, I'm not a huge uh, Bombok head. Uh, I've only seen Marriage Story, so I, I don't have, like, a big frame of reference for him. Uh, but but I will say, seeing him play in the, the Spielberg sandbox is really kind of interesting. He's doing a, a sort of... Uh, that Spielbergian awe thing a couple of times in a ways that's really interesting. Um, a, a movie that I like in moments and I think has some scenes that are really exceptional. Um and I, and I'm a big fan of uh, part 2, the airborne toxic event. Uh I, I think that's sort of the strongest section of the film by by a large uh, mile. Um but overall, you know, a mixed bag for me but a film I liked quite a bit. It was in it was in the top 25 for a little bit. Uh, uh-huh. It has been squeezed out but a, a film that I, I like. Okay. Well, that's very positive. Uh, I have heard a lot of people really hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's a movie about death anxiety, so it's definitely not for everybody. No, <laughs> no, 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 this it's not for everybody. Uh, LaRon, what, what was your take on White Noise? Um, you know, I had a lot of a lot of
1: uh, interest in this one because I am a Baumbach bomb, bomb uh, head, you know, and I, I love all of his work, you know. Um, Or at least appreciate all of his work. And this is no exception. I I think my ambitions might have been a little bit too high for this. His might have been too. Um, But I think that it was um, a very interesting, absurdist comedy. I don't think um, all of the ideas coalesce in a very cohesive way. They kind of feel disparate from each other. Um, But like individual segments, very similar to Babylon, just really, really slap. You know, like so... Um, it's worth seeing for that. It is a mixed bag. But the, those moments that do sparkle are very unique. Um, you know, like in, as you mentioned, the airborne toxic event uh, chapter of the story is just insane and weird and and colorful and strange and bizarre. Um, but just really fun from a cinematic level. Um, but honestly, I think hands down the most important – the most exciting part for me is the end credits. Oh, yeah. That is – one of the best in credit sequences I've seen in like I I downloaded that song. Yeah, new body room is It's yeah. so good.
0: I, I think the the Academy should introduce a new award: yeah. best in credit. Best in credit. <laughs> sequence.
1: I mean, really, so seriously. Like it's just it's like seven and a half minutes of the cast and crew all in a grocery store, like. It's a musical number. It's it gets you think it's kind of intimate. And then it gets bigger. Then it gets bigger. and Then it gets bigger. And at some point, you're just like in awe of how like how much they put into this one moment. And it's like it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the movie at all. But it just makes you feel good, you know. So stay for the end credits.
0: Daniel Bowkemper, did you get around to uh,
3: saying White Noise? No, it is one I'm going to catch before the end of the year. I am curious. Uh, Noah Bombach is a bit of an anomaly and again admittedly he himself is a fairly big blind spot i've seen the uh ben stiller film uh while we're young yeah while we're when young, we're young. Oh, yes cool. okay. and i like and i remember liking it um but other than that i did not catch marriage story i am curious about this film mostly i think maybe you're describing it but i'm not sure but uh didn't uh, lcd sound system produce a an original song yeah that's, yeah, that's nice. an that's that's song yes yeah. i it's, will be seeing it for that alone yeah. okay
0: Fantastic. so <laughs> I, I just want to give a shout out even though i I I'm I'm kind of I think I'm closer to you Dalton i, I I've gone back and forth mm. it's another film that I think is appreciated slightly because when I walked away from the film I was like that was an experience I have no interest in ever watching it again. Uh, I do think Greta Gerwig and Adam driver are nailing it totally. they have a very very hard job in this movie and even yeah. when I don't think the script or the direction always succeeds, they always land their beats really really well yeah. they have to go from like, hilarious to pitch black oh, mm-hmm. to absurdist all in one scene sometimes yeah. with uh,
1: Don Cheadle's actually very good. Oh yeah. Totally. Supporting yes. role as well.
2: Yes. Yeah. We gotta give a shout to no, Don yeah. Cheadle. Uh, they're great in roles that like, I think they're too young for too. I yes. think these characters yeah. like should be in their fifties. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and I think the two of them like equip themselves very well, despite only being like barely 40. Oh yeah. Not even
0: quite. <laughs> I think it goes out on Netflix uh, Friday. All right, guys, those are just a few of the movies I wanted to quickly acknowledge. Let's stop and talk about 2022 as a year in film. Let's step back. We're going to talk about some, some, we're going to get out some awards. We're going to pick our top five, but before we do, I would l- just love to hear what you guys have thought about this year
2: in film as a whole. Dalton, I'll start with you. We're on a sinking ship. It's, it's a dire time. Uh, I don't, I don't know what to tell you folks. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, a little bit more though. Come on. I, I look, we're rearranging deck chairs in the Titanic in a pretty big way. And I, I am worried about movies. Uh, yep. Now, If Babylon by Damien Chazelle is any indicator, we've always been worried about movies. Take that with a grain of salt, but I think this is kind of an indicator of where we're at. The shit going on at Warner Brothers and HBO is just insane. It's bananas. I I can't. I cannot think of another time that a multi, not well, yeah, a potentially billion-dollar property, a tentpole movie has been pulled at the eleventh hour like this with the the Batgirl movie absolute just craziness and then pulling tv shows that westworld yeah Yeah. a crown
0: jewel of the hbo banner for what five six years Mm -hmm. and it just gone like that
2: yeah it's a strange time. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen over Pre-order there. Pre-order those
0: Station 11 Blu-rays coming at you in February. Seriously?
2: Ooh. Are they putting Station 11 out on Blu-ray? Uh-huh. I might get
0: yeah, that. Yeah, only because everyone's freaking out about it getting pulled off HBO Max.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that that's where we're at. It, it is an economy of attention now, and if you don't have the streaming numbers to support your project, your company's probably not going to stand behind you. And uh, I don't know. I, I You just... It's not TV. It's HBO, and you you expect them to play ball a little bit differently. But the new management over there is just Dave Zaslav does not care. Nah, he don't give he care. don't give a fuck about movies. No, he <laughs> he does. does not at all. He hates us. In well, fact, yeah. weird times. Weird times.
1: Well, Lauren Chapman, echo that. Yeah, I feel like uh, definitely uh, the state of movies is scary. Like what it's going to look like now, and what kind of content we're going to get based on on these this this new set of criteria. But that being said, I mean. I consumed a lot of movies this year, enough to make two or three top ten lists, and um, which makes it always more fun to narrow them down, you know, uh, a unique challenge, you know. Um, so, I mean, as far as the content, I saw a lot of great films, but I am nervous about what 2023 onward looks like um, for film and where are they all going to be these, you know, these tentpole action spectacles because the movies that did the best this year – were all those things, you know? So, um, so people went to the certain certain movies, and we'll talk about what those are later. But, um, but the indie films or the art tour artists, or what? Where do those stories live? And where, do,
0: where, where does non IP yes. storytelling
1: go? Which is a significant part of film, <laughs> you know. Not it's not just big action spectacles.
0: The thing that's interesting is we talked about this a lot uh, on our Avatar One and Avatar Two podcast, though. The demand for VFX outweighs what is possible to produce at the quality, even a, quarter, a fraction as good of Atar. So, so it's really it's extra scary. Is there's more demand? Like, the, 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 all of those resources that would have been going to indie filmmaking is shifting to like these VFX heavy tentpole films, largely superhero films. I mean, it's well documented how overworked and underpaid special VFX houses are. Simultaneously, Kevin Feige gets up on the stage at Comic Con and says, "We're doing more than we've ever done." And it's like, "Well, what is that going to
2: look like?" Kevin's turning me into Hammond in Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm staring at the CCTV and yep. I got my face in my hands, and I really do hate that man. <laughs> <laughs> his stupid, stupid
0: hat. Uh, Daniel, I have more to say on this matter. But before you do, maybe you have an array of hope <laughs> or th- other thoughts you I can bring. That was to a lifeline.
3: I always do. I always do, and uh, I will. Uh, come through with it before I unfortunately agree with everyone. It is a very scary time. Um, I say that and to Laurent's point too, but I watched a lot of high quality films this year. I watched oh, totally. a lot of really great cinema. I do worry. Is this like a swan song perhaps? Or, um, And I mean, in the, into that note, we do have a bit of a theme. Um, I've heard more and more people talk about this is like the year of filmmakers making movies about movies um, in a very sad, um, somber way. Um, and I mean, with like the Fablemans and um, some point of that to the whale Babylon, we just spoke about, um, could uh, find itself among them as well. And it it worries me. But at the same time, we we do have some incredible people, again, still making incredible films um, specifically too, when I want to acknowledge uh, one of the running themes, just great women in their directorial debuts. Um, specifically, I want to mention Charlotte Wells with After Sun. Hell yeah, baby. Um, Chloe Acuna with, with Watcher. Um, was great. I thought it was, yeah. Uh, and Dummy She with Turning Red. Um,
0: Turning Red film. has not gotten its due.
3: No, it I has just want to throw it out there. And it, yeah, and it wasn't going to be a oh, spoiler alert, not on my top five. So I must say, I need to mention it somewhere. But again, a directorial debut,
1: yeah,
0: for a, a woman of color, exactly at a major Disney owned studio. Yeah, it's incredible. The and, damn Pixar,
1: and even to add to that list, I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to say their names, but till. Till mm. was an example, one directed by a woman. Uh, Causeway was another one directed yeah. by a woman, the woman King, another yes. one directed by a woman. So, uh, they had a great, they had a good year this year and, and behind the camera, you know, I um, mean, they put out quality work, you know, so, um,
3: yeah. And that's all to say is I think there's something to be hopeful in that, but it worries me. Maybe, maybe this, they were it was just right place, right time. Time will tell.
0: One of the success stories of this year was Everything Everywhere All at Once, an A twenty four produced film that made over a hundred million dollars. A twenty four doesn't, I think the, the closest they had before that was Red at eighty million dollars. So I mean, that's that's not for nothing, and that's a movie that stuck around for weeks, like several weeks, and it, no IP. I mean, Michelle Yeoh's the star; she's incredible, but she's not a movie star that opens. You know, so there is rays of hope. I agree with everything you guys said. I think we are genuinely in the most uncertain state of filmmaking that we've been in in our lifetimes, for sure. Potentially, as far back as uh, you know, Damien Chazelle, what,
2: back when we got sound uh, in the films. So, few... or at least the new Hollywood changeover. And that I was what like the seventies, sixties right? into the seventies. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it definitely feels like we're due for one of those. Especially when you have things like Black Adam tanking. It's this, this ship's always on fire. They're always throwing more, spending more money than they have to spend. They're always employing more people than they can afford to employ. Uh, so, you know, it'll probably shake out in the wash. We'll see. Hopefully it shakes out better. That's that's the real yeah, thing. Yeah, Exactly. You know? and, and Daniel and Ron have both thrown me a lifeline a little bit. I mean, it, it was a good year for the movies. You know, it's I've seen worse. There's some good pictures out this year. OK, well, we've spent a lot of time talking about movie <laughs> trends. Let's get
0: to our first round of awards and then on to our number five films of the year. Our first special award that we're going to hand out today is the This Could Only Be Made in 2022 award. I don't know what you guys picked, and I'm just going to throw mine out there to kind of demonstrate to listeners what I'm talking about. With this particular award, I'm thinking of a movie that, whether it's thematically, whether it's with the technology, whether it's related to current events and and what's going on in pop culture, feels like it's immediately a 2022 movie that probably would never get made pre 2022 and will likely feel slightly dated to a 2022 mindset in retrospect. And that's not necessarily a good or a bad thing, by the way, I picked Pearl. Why? It's a double feature with X. I'm pretty sure Ty West was only supposed to make one movie, but he's like, What if we make two, we've got the locations for this much, two movies for the price of one slightly, you know, I'm sure it was a little more money, but he basically got two movies for the price of one. And without spoiling Pearl, you can go listen to our in-depth conversation that we did about that earlier this year. I'll link it in the show notes. It feels like a movie that is so closely tied to how we all felt coming out of the pandemic. Like we're we're technically, you're still technically in it, but things are a little more laxed, but we're still kind of like psychologically as a Country yeah. as another a movie about species. movies, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. It, it just really feels like a, a movie that feels of the time. Hmm. Again, I think it's an amazing film, as I'm sure we'll talk about, but that is my selection for the movie that can only be made in 2022 award. Laurent Chavin, what is your selection?
1: I went back and forth on this because a part of me really wanted to say Jackass Forever. Yes, it's because of that Facebook that we both got tagged in earlier today.
4: Hello, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass.
1: people ask what will jackass be like once we're older well it'll get more mature it's one of those movies that we no one asked for um i didn't know we needed it and i didn't realize how nostalgic i was gonna be mm-hmm. watching the fourth jackass movie um and really just seeing the camaraderie of, of all these people and it really transported me back to that i don't know was that early 2000s or was it the 90s or was it Am I going back too far? Uh, probably two thousand, early two thousand, early 2000s. Early 2000s yeah. yeah, just I just remember watching those all the time with cousins, and the, the the show itself, and then the movies being a whole thing. And it felt weird that they would be bringing one out. And it felt kind of, mm, do we need this? I don't And then I watched it, and I was surprised how moved I was by just, you know, just seeing that these people are still friends after all these years, and they're still up to the same this same shenanigans. A
2: shockingly loving environment. Yeah, yes. surprisingly.
1: Yeah. Even, even the, all the nut checks to, you know, withstanding, yeah. you know, it's like, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah There were definitely. But yeah. they're
0: all, but the, that's the thing, they're all in it together. Like yeah. nobody is yeah. immune to the getting yeah. pranked, exactly. you know, and, they, and they've all seen some shit together, some of them multiple times.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is really sweet. And yeah, yeah. such a surprise.
0: Yeah. Also, you'll see things in that movie that you can never unsee. No, yeah, <laughs> I haven't.
1: There's, they're still right there. And then just very quickly, just because there was, a, I was going back and forth on this and um also seeing like movies like bros and spoiler alert coming out this year um i was hard-pressed to find if i was even thinking about uh movies that have mainstream queer characters in it like in a like rom-com like mainstream movie produced by mainstream studios and both of those are produced this year you know and when i'm going back and thinking i can't list 10 of them because they don't exist, you know, like so they exist in like on like your Netflix or Hallmark shows or so. But ones that went to theaters, you know what I mean? Um, that character character's the best friend. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That, Ten yeah, years ago. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's just very rare to see it. And so um, I, I like Spoiler Alert a lot more than Bros. But, you know, all the same, I'm just happy that something like that exists. Even those middling romantic comedies that exist for – heterosexuals, you know, it's nice to see that they're on the other side of this. We have something.
3: Daniel Bo Kemper, what was your selection? Yeah. So I think mine, it's more about, I I don't think it's impossible that it could be made at another time. Um, (laughs) But I think it came out at a particularly good time because I think we just have such a pressure cooker of just feels bad and of just, of just despair and a little bit of, of fear And, and, and overall, a lot of maybe feeling a little bit creatively stagnant in some ways too. And I think that we shoved all that into a pressure cooker and we've hoped and hoped that after many, many, many years, after basically two years of this, almost three, that it'll just, you know, create something that is just delicious and exquisite. And now we finally open up the pressure cooker and it's filled with fart jokes and nut shots and of course it's jackass forever. <laughs> uh I I'm think, sorry I didn't mean to d- No, you too didn't soon. at all. It's it's great because I think what the other thing we really needed is just a hearty laugh and yeah. just to have a little bit of fun and we get a lot of movies this year. That's that's the one thing that again brings me hope is we have movies um that I'll talk about later that are just fun to go out and see with a group of people and Jackass Forever is absolutely among them and I think If any movie, that was the one that I just felt so like relaxed. It felt like, I mean, despite um, cringing a couple (laughs) of times, I should say that overall relaxed. Um, It was just something that was, was, was very kind of pleasant and oddly uplifting. And even though it's just, it's so mindless, you do not have to think about it very hard to laugh
0: at all and yet it's probably gonna be my vote for best documentary at the Right, (laughs) (laughs)
3: it is it's so (laughs) it might be yeah (laughs) it's
0: yeah it's it's compelling in that way honestly
3: Um, but yeah no I I think uh, Jackass Forever is uh, my pick as well Dalton Stewart
0: what is your selection
2: my selection is Matt Reeves three hour epic The Batman
4: whoa take it easy sweetheart hear everything they say thank you Maybe we're not so different. Who are you under there? I'm vengeance.
2: No truer indicator of where we're at with IP that Matt Reeves gets to make a three hour long indulgent detective movie out of the Batman. (laughs) I, I don't. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense that it exists. It doesn't make sense that the third act of that movie is about extremism, but uh, <laughs> in 2022, it really does. It's fucked up that we have to live under the constant threat of getting shot by some uh, internet psycho. Uh, but that's what the end of the Batman's about. Yeah. Didn't didn't know they would make a Batman movie about that, but they did. <laughs> Weird stuff. I, it's, it's very 2022 to me. Uh, I, I also, you know, uh, another... Sort of this year factor of it is the Colin Farrell of it all having yes the best year of his career absolutely Gosh, uh, yeah. and just really thrown heat everything he showed up in this year and uh, such range like oh, the unrecognizable unrec- he's, he's a plus and in every
0: movie the Batman Banshees of Inisherin um Aftergan- thirteen, Lying, 13 Lying, lives thirteen, 13 lives I keep forgetting about that one too. yeah man yeah he just killed it yeah great pick our next award is the the they deserved much better award and what do I mean by they deserved so much better award. Could be a director, could be an actor, actress, could be a writer, someone who clearly showed up with their A++ game, but for whatever reason, whether it's the studio intervention, whether it's other collaborators who are terrible, uh, or just other forces kept this person from having a successful project. Dalton
2: Stewart, I'll start with you on this one. Oh, it's got to be the cast and crew of Don't Worry Darling. (laughs) Uh, I mean, goddamn, they just, there's a good movie in there, you know, it's, 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 dumb as a bag of rocks but it's still fun you know there's there's an interesting movie hiding in there i've heard it called a really great first draft and i I definitely agree with that um even with all of that, even if it's the same movie without the media circus around it, I can't help but wonder if this movie doesn't get received a little differently. People are more receptive to it in an ecosystem that isn't, you know, full of all this drama. Uh, yeah, I, a movie that I'm I'm interested in, and I, I think will have legs. I really think that this is going to develop a cult following over the coming years. This, that's that's my theory.
0: I hope you're right. Olivia Wilde's direction here is really, really top notch. I really think the failings come from the script. Honestly, yeah, I, um, I think everything else about it, uh, yeah, the, the the cinematography, the score, I, Chris Pine and Florence Pugh in particular, holy oh, cow, yeah. Yeah. so good. It's just the script; it falls apart. It's a mystery box. It turns itself into a mystery box movie for some reason that it didn't need to do. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Laurent Chapman, what is your pick?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, we t- we've we've uh, maligned Babylon quite a bit, and you just mentioned. Uh, don't worry, darling. Those are both on the honorable mentions for this category. Um, but the one I'm going to put, um, on there is Halloween ends. And I'll, I'll say, I'll say that they, that deserve better. And that is the audience. Um, <laughs> we are, they, we deserve better. Uh, they, I feel like that, that franchise, the resurgence of this franchise started off really strong. Um, and I think that, um, it, it pumped new life into, a, I mean, a decades old, you know, franchise, um, and uh, very quickly with Halloween kills teetered off into, you know, the muck. So um, unfortunately, like, I, I think like while there, I think there are things in Halloween ends that are very interesting thematically. Um, it's it still when you trace back where you started, it leaves a lot to be desired, you know. So um, I'd say, yeah, Halloween ends and leave, let it in.
0: That man, that's another one. very similar Um to our last pick where you're just like the pieces were there. The ingredients were there. They just didn't put them together in a way that, that landed the plane in any meaningful way. Like just plane crash. Yeah. Evil dies tonight. And so does Halloween. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> that that is going to be the legacy of that trilogy. That, yeah, absolutely. Of that trilogy. <laughs> I will keep that alive. Speaking of evil um, dying tonight, Daniel, what is, uh what is the, your pick for the, they deserve so much better. Award? Th- this was tough
3: because this was almost my most disappointing as well. Um, as far as a single film, but, but something else. Uh, came in clutch and beat it out. Uh, But it's Alex Garland. I have been so excited. I was so excited for Men, especially coming off of uh, Ex Machina and, uh, excuse me, Annihilation, two of my favorite science fiction films of the last decade, I would say. Um, Just so excited and so much. And I like even his his television show, uh, Devs is great as well. And so I just had so much excitement going into Men. And I think The director, Alex Garland, was there, and that was great. And the few segments of that were were phenomenal. But I think this screenplay, the Alex Garland, the writer, may have gotten in the way of himself and may have created something that was a little too convoluted. Or or maybe it was just a script that wasn't that long to begin with, and he just had to start filling it with things. And unfortunately, if he's going to write his own film, he really (laughs) needs to be firing on all cylinders. And I I think it just felt like it could have been – yeah, both a lot shorter um, and still very compelling. I think if it was just like even a short film in general, I think it could have gotten everything it was attempting to say out in a really smart way. Or if maybe there was just a little bit more time. I don't know. Something was missing from the writing, but I felt like the direction was great. And when it clicked for me, it was really there. Um, and I did not you know, absolutely hate the movie, but I, I I have to say I was a little disappointed in the fact that he was, again, working against himself a little bit there. Um, he he almost did himself dirty. So
0: Jessica I, uh, Buckley was a top notch. She was Jesse excellent. Buckley's yeah, so
2: Jessica Buckley good in that movie. Oh mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yes. Jesse's killing it. Uh, and, and and Rory Kinnear is great too. Rory I, Kinnear, I, we, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Uh, the Rory Kinnasi. What a weird movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what a weird movie. Yeah, yeah. it's it's it, another one. Like it, that's the thing that's that's the most heartbreaking
0: about all these is like I feel like we're, you, the ingredients are all there. There's just a yeah. the scripting issue. It's really scripting issues is mm-hmm. the big thing. Uh, okay, mine's not going to be a specific film. I'm going to say, uh, despite me being really doom and gloom about superhero movies, Henry Cavill uh, Uh, deserves so much better award. Why? I mean, he makes, spoiler alert for Black Adam, the movie that's now streaming on HBO Max less than two months after it came out in theaters, makes a cameo in which... Henry Cavill then, two days later, after the movie releases, gets on all the social media. I think it was his Instagram originally. It says, I'm back. I'm Superman. I'm going to do thing. He then almost immediately leaves The Witcher on Netflix, which has kind of been the backbone of his career since he left Superman. And then all of a sudden, what, two weeks ago, week ago, uh, right before the holidays, found out, JK, guys, I'm not coming back. James Gunn and I talked, and uh, yeah, uh, they want to do a younger Superman and I don't actually, I'm not gonna get into the weeds on it. I don't blame James Gunn because they hired James Gunn to do a thing. And I honestly, as much as I like a lot of the individuals working in the DCEU, the best thing to do at this point is just start from scratch. <laughs> There's too much, too much nonsense, too much, too many things don't work, too many cooks in the kitchen. I say Henry Cavill was done dirty though because A, he was promised by the studio told him to go out and announce that he was back. To, right before they hired new people to come in and take over. So I think it's terrible, terrible studio mismanagement. And then on top of that, the thing that's that's so such a bummer is I always thought Henry Cavill had so much potential. He's got the look, he's got the charisma. He seemed to have a real admiration and respect for the character, and you know, while I have nice things to say about Man of Steel, Man of Steel was not it in terms of scripting and really presenting that character in his fullest version of himself. And we certainly didn't see that in BVS or either one of the justice league movies. So I was hoping I was like, all right, we, we're going to get him paired with a good writer and a good director and he'll have his chance to shine and the role the way he should have the whole time. But alas, it'll never be
3: consolation prize. Are you not excited about Henry Cavill being a Warhammer 40 K space Marine, Caleb? I'm curious. Okay.
0: I, I'm, I'm glad. I know it's not the same. I will say, I'm really glad that Henry Cavill is double downing on his, his yes. fandom. Who's, doesn't seem to be super toxic, but largely into like really nerdy things. He knows the nerds love him. <laughs> he does. Oh, yeah. Yep. He gets it. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Well, that is our first round of special awards. We're going to move on to our first round of top five films of the year. We're going to start with our number five movie. So, Laurent Chapman, what is your number five movie of 2022
1: and why? Man, I'm embarrassed and also um not you know to mention that you know top gun maverick is my number five pick of the year what do we
3: have
0: here yeah here i thought we were special
1: fellas this here's Bagman. hangman oh, whatever
3: what the whole kind of mission is this
4: Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they going to get to teach us?
1: Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. It fought through all of my cynicism, all of my disdain for Tom Cruise, the person. And it just delivered a blockbuster of a bygone era for me um, that you know, that I haven't seen in quite a while. I haven't been that invested in a movie of that kind, um, in a theater in a long long time. And so I remember just viewing that and thinking to myself that it's another one of those movies. I'm not super warm on the, the original. It wasn't my era. So I've seen it. I think it's fine, you know? Um, and it's one of those movies that just shouldn't have worked. It shouldn't have worked the way that it did. And so, um, I remember leaving that theater feeling exhilarated by it, and and I I don't know if it's a great movie, I just know that it was a good time.
0: And let's be real, how many films have you seen where they actually train the the cast members to fly jets for the movie, jets that some people spend like decade plus of their life learning to fly, you know, and and and. Yeah, Tom Cruise is just dedicated, and I think it's it's in the text of the movie. He's He is dedicated to preserving films and blockbuster popcorn entertainment as they have been for the last 50 years, as long as he can. And he's doing that by... Putting his life on the line? I don't know. He's doing some really (laughs) daredevilish stuff that seems kind of insane. But also I applaud Tom Cruise for doing it. Whether or not we like him as a person, man, he is giving it 150%
1: to the stunts. Man, he's bringing me back because even Mission Impossible, I'm like, God. I gotta I see it man. I gotta, <laughs> like, yeah. I gotta so see like, him
0: jump off that bike <laughs> I, I, can, I gotta I, see what I, happens I, 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 Does he make it? I know <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I can't wait to see the new Mission <laughs> Impossible <ends at laughs> part one. Dead Reckoning Part 1 <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, Daniel Bokemper, What is your number 5 pick of the year? Yeah, so my number
3: 5 It's gonna go to Bodies, Bodies, Bodies From Ooh. Helena Rain Interesting I, pick No, yeah. I think it's just a ton of fun um, I think it also This is a bit of a In a roundabout way, I was thinking about building this list, and I think this kind of harkens back to my 2018 top five. Uh, My number one for that year uh, was an odd one. I think while everyone may have been picking – that may have been the year everyone was picking First Reformed, and then I uh, didn't see it. So I picked uh, Eighth Grade (laughs) by Bo Burnham, and I think part of the – I I find my way like clinging to like certain things. I I find when I I pick films that are my favorite of the year, they can – it can – Things can only have one thing going for them really, really good, and they, and they run away with it for me. And I think that way, the way that film observed how Gen Z communicates and the rhetoric, and it did so in an organic way. I think Bodies, Bodies, Bodies hits on that a bit, but it's a little, you know, it's a little funnier, it's a little punchier, and it does to some extent make fun of Zen, Gen Z, but not too much. I, I think when it needs to be serious and when it needs to say something very real, I, I say that in the final. 30 minutes of the film, there is a, a uh, four-way standoff, and it is just such a great, powerful scene, so well-executed, so well-performed from very, very, very young actors. Um, so again, I, I think that alone, it's it strikes a similar chord, again, as Eighth Grade. I just think it's um, a little less real and a hell of a lot more bloody. Um, but again, it's-, <laughs> it's, it's The youth. It, fo- it focuses on the youths. It does. It does. The youngins. Um, rise up in this film. And I, I, to their detriment a little bit, but I, I think it's a joy to watch. And I think it's just kind of the perfect amount of clever. It is almost as clever as my uh, number four coming
0: up. Well, you know, it's really cool too. Uh, in a year where we have seen a ton of whodunits, I'm sure we're going to talk about
1: more of those here in a little bit, but
0: that one really we found a way to carve out its own path, mm-hmm. it's still a it. But it's it's not like any other Who Done It that came out this year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: it's a Who Done It that you didn't know was a Who Done It. Exactly,
0: <laughs> and and then well, I don't want to spoil it, but then it turns out who did it? Man, that, yeah, it's just it's wild. <laughs> who it's done, wild, who done it's, the it's did? Crazy who did it. <laughs> done it? Dalton
2: Stewart, what is your number five pick? Caleb, my number five pick. I, Daniel just said some things that really spoke to me just now. Uh, I have five star movies on my my. My top 25 that have been squeezed out by this film. That's a 4.5 for me. But I, I, I can't shake this movie. It's the comedy of the year for me. It's Todd Fields' Tar. If you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tar is many things. As a conductor, Tár began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. In 2013, Berlin elected Tarr
1: as its principal
2: conductor, and she's remained there ever since. Lydia Tár has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 EGOTs, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for joining us. Nice joke. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my, girl, my girl Lydia, the, the bastard of classical music herself. Oh, God, I love this fucking movie. <laughs> you call it a comedy,
0: Dalton. I The ending of that movie was probably the hardest I have laughed at the movies this year. In it's a, a funny, theater, it's where there a was funny movie. More. It's
2: amazing. Uh, great. Yeah, great. Kate Blanchett, though, just kills it, man. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I've, I've heard her compared to like sports greats in in this movie and just as far as like she's she's in her mode she's in in the pocket and and i i have to agree with that she's just absolutely doing it even people who don't like this movie like her performance and i think that speaks to like the work that she's doing uh i have a i have a friend that compared it to drinking straight gin and i think that's (laughs) an and he did not like the movie to be fair (laughs) but i think that's an accurate uh assessment it is not for everybody it is it is an acquired taste it's it's a very specific movie it has got a a vibe that it's asking you to give yourself over to if you can do that I think it's a really rewarding film with a lot there uh, but you know it, it's also a little long in the tooth so' I'll, I'll, I'll throw that out there as a caveat um you know it, it, it probably could have shaved 10 to 15 minutes off uh, and, and that that's that's kind of why I've, I've been resistant but I, I, there's so many movies that were almost the five. And it just had to be tar. I, I can't. I can't stop thinking about it. It's this interesting exploration of power, and misconduct, and lies, and just self-invention, and who we who we tell ourselves that we are versus who we really are, and like how those two narratives often end up at odds with each other. I just think it's a really powerful film, and uh, I think it's hilarious. I think it's really funny. It uh, is a really funny. It's movie. apartment for sale. Come on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, it's a good, really it's good. A, it's a funny movie. Um, I, I yeah, and I think that's a top-notch pick. And I, I want to reiterate, Dalton, picking five movies is really
1: hard. It's tough. I picking love, ten movies is hard. Yeah, but yeah, but five, especially, yeah,
0: it's tough. Uh, I think, I think Tar is a, a, a great pick. I really wanted to put this movie on there, and because the other thing I think it does really well, as you highlighted, I want to be very careful how I frame this because this movie is not about cancel culture. But it is presenting sort of the, what, what would you call the experience of mm-hmm. a person of just the top of the game? Everyone respects the height of them. Due to their own, a- that person's own actions, people realize oh, this person's actually not the best person, seeing how the film explores that. But from her perspective, it's not taking a stance. It's more just
2: having a character study. I, I think it's been called the cancel culture movie because we we have we don't have the language to to really get into what the movie is doing. Uh, but And I think that's the to the film's credit. I think that's the film's strength is that it's like, it is like exists in this gray area that we we struggle to articulate because we have these buzzwords that we cling to that are like a, a good shorthand. Uh, for for explaining things that have happened, and I think it's a good shorthand for explaining what happens in the movie. She's a, a composer who self destructs and is canceled, and that, I think that's a good selling
1: point it, for the movie. It, it observes, you know, um, cancel culture from her point of view, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's why it's so we're so insulated from. Like, is it about cancel culture? Kind of because everything's happening in the in the background, um, and that's because how she's seeing it. Because she doesn't see herself. She she knows that she's. That eyes are on her, and that people are are scrutinizing every detail of what she does because of certain things that come out in the film. Um, and it I think that was a really brilliant approach to it, too, because what it does is it doesn't make it a cancel culture movie. It makes it very broad, and we can have a a really meaty conversation about all of those things, power, power struggle, power structure you know, um, ego, um, fame, narcissism, narcissism. the canon,
2: what we decide is important as far as art. Absolutely. You mentioned
1: self like how she presents herself versus who she really is. And, all that's really really also really, really how that she is
0: she's in denial about she there's a reckoning occurring around her and in most of the movie is her coming to terms with the fact that there's a reckoning coming happening. to
1: her yeah mm-hmm. and and why <laughs> you know and coming to terms with what that is
0: great great pick Dalton. i'm really glad i don't know if it falls on anyone else's list here but i'm really glad it made it in the conversation uh, yeah i had to talk mm-hmm. about it yeah yeah it's great so number 5 was actually a really tough one for me in terms of going through my list of like what do i put at number 5 and after going through several iterations of my list, which one do I think had the biggest impact initially? Which one's the most rewatchable? Which one do I think has the most value for us right now? And to my surprise, I originally thought this might not even make my top 10. Number five, The Menu, is my uh, number five mm, film of let's the year. Go.
4: <laughs> Good evening. Welcome to Hawthorne. It'll be our pleasure to feed you tonight will be magical over the next few hours you will ingest fat salt protein and at times entire ecosystems we're eating the ocean
3: we're eating the
4: ocean are you crying (laughs) it's just i find it all very moving
0: so it's okay but i'm not as into this as you are
2: oh my god
4: you shouldn't be here tonight
0: this movie is brilliant. It is from uh, many of the folks who work on the HBO show Succession, which is an amazing show. I love it. Uh, but it, they bring a lot of those dark comedy, uh, social critique uh, sensibilities, and they apply it to, they sort of dress it as um, fine dining culture. But it's really about, it could be about the movies. It could be about music. It just is really examining how the relationships we have with art and also what... M- our obsession with art, whether as a creator or as a fan or a critic, how we all sort of contribute to the dehumanization of the artist in the process. And
1: we are all Nicholas Holt,
0: by
2: the way. Yeah. And this table it's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. The whole time I was watching it was like, the God menu, damn it, I'm him. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. I think, Dalton, you mentioned this in your letterbox review, and I think it's a great way to put it tonal surfing, as in you'll go from darkly bleak to hilarious at a snap in a moment. And then there's moments where you don't know how you're supposed to feel until the scene's over. And then you're like, oh, that's really funny. Or, oh, no, this is awful. I feel terrible. Uh, but the last thing I will say about it, um, outside of the fact that I just think it's, it's it's hilarious, I think Ray Fiennes turns in an awesome performance. And, again, I think it has a lot of layers to it and a lot of different ways to read it, which I think is going to add tremendous rewatchability. At least my take on the movie is it's okay to just – enjoy the simplicity of going to the movies and having fun. You know, that's all I'm going to say. I won't, I don't want to spoil it too much, but the movie sort of kind of lands on, there's all of these things happening, whatever happened to remember the core of the thing we used to do. Does that even matter
1: anymore? Before we became all (laughs) self-important. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. 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 So uh, that is my number five pick the menu. Absolutely love. it, And I, I can't wait for more people to see it. That'll take us to, our special award for this round, our first special award for this round. Uh, and actually, uh, Dalton was the one who suggested uh, this pair of awards uh, that we're going to go through. Uh, the first one is- uh, Yes,
2: my, my, little nod, <clears throat> my little nod to Film Spotting SVU, the, the long mm. deceased now podcast that I, I liked quite a bit.
0: I, I You know, if, if Matt, it's uh, Matt Singer and Allison Wilmore, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. If they're listening, I hope they enjoy the nod. <laughs> uh, the first one is the movie I Didn't Get Award. So the movie that- Probably received a lot of critical acclaim or positive buzz or people were talking about that you watched and you just didn't – it didn't click with you in in a certain way. Um, So Dalton, since you
2: brought this – introduced this award to the category today, what was your pick here? I'm so sorry, Laron, I don't get it. I don't get Top Gun Maverick. That's fine. I don't. That's I don't fine. get it. That's fine. <laughs> I wish I did. People seem to have so much fun with this movie. I want. I want to be there. I want to. I want to be in the danger zone with all of you. <laughs> I just. I, I'm Saul Tenser in uh, Crimes of the Future. It's okay if you like escape as propaganda. That's where I'm at with it. I just. I can't get over it. It's. It's a. It's a big Navy commercial, and like that doesn't. That just makes me mad. I. I. I you know. I. Yes. I. I I know when I'm being pandered to, and I mean this is this is why I was mad at Babylon. I don't I don't like it. Uh, movies are manipulative, and I think saying a movie is manipulative is a bad critique. I think that duh, that's that's what they, their job is. That's that's how they operate. But if that manipulation like is not operating at a at the the appropriate wavelength, it, it just can really turn me off. And I feel like th- this is like, don't you want to have fun? I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, okay. You threw the rule book out. It's cool. I get it. <laughs> I, I just can't connect with it. And again, this is a movie much like Babylon that I'm primed for. I you know I, I've got I've got daddy issues as, as many folks do. <laughs> and uh, the, the dead dad shit should like I, I should be a lock for me and I just and I like Miles Teller. Uh, we, we uh, had paid lip service to Whiplash earlier when we were talking about Babylon. I'm, I'm also a, a fan of that film and I like his performance in that doesn't connect for me as as Bradley Rooster Bradshaw. I just I don't buy it. I don't buy that he's mad at Tom Cruise. The, the at
0: goatee all. He didn't sell it for you?
2: The the mustache you or the, or the mean? Oh, the oh, mustache. Yeah, what a mustache. No, and neither did his blonde dye job. Uh, <laughs> and neither did Jennifer Connelly who is like a screenwriter's invention of a hot single mom. She owns a bar, she sails. Yeah, okay, we get it. She has a motorcycle. Oh god, that's right. <laughs> uh, no, anyway, I I see the appeal. I definitely do, but uh, I just it didn't connect with me. It did, it, they did not lay in the plane, as it were. Uh, that said, if I'd seen an IMAX, probably a different story. So who knows?
0: There really is something to how you watch and engage the film the first time that makes a big difference. And, sure, um, I'm sure Avatar is going to come up at some point in this conversation today, but I I do think it makes a difference uh, how you watch a movie does oftentimes shape your impression initially. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a good call out, but also Dalton, I will say Top Gun did not make my top 10. It was close, but I, I will say that the, the, the tr- I have a hard time bringing myself to watch that movie at home because I know it is not going to be nearly as much fun.
2: Oh, I'm curious if you do end up, you know, giving it the at home watch, which you end up thinking about it. It's on Paramount plus now. I'm yep. thinking about it. All right. Daniel Bo Kemper. This is one I, I want to mention. I did not
3: get initially and then it, clicked for me upon a rewatch. But at at first I kind of really disliked it. And because I was going into it with so much excitement and it's Jordan Peele's note. Um, At first I felt like it was just missing something in here. Like I I wanted it. I wanted something out of it that I I don't know if I initially got, maybe I was just having a bad morning. It was what I saw really early. Um, And I, and I think, I, I, I don't know why, but when I watched it initially, it just didn't quite connect with me. But I'm happy to say I've actually uh, performed an about face after seeing it a second time. For whatever reason, it started to just make a little more sense, especially the shots. I started just paying attention to a lot more different things. I stopped fixating and I stopped criticizing certain characters for what I felt was very, you know, for being overly simple. And I, I, I feel like I. It, it suddenly it all meshed a lot better. It all felt do, a lot. Do you better think
0: Jor, the, Jordan, Jordan Peele, uh, having with, given his reputation, in his past few films, do you think that also kind of colored your expectations the first time?
3: I think so a little bit. I think part of it was, it was just me being so I wasn't prepared to have to chew on it very much to know if I liked it. I think, I think with like, you know, us and get out, I really enjoyed those films just immediately. And it was, and that was enough. Um, and I think with this one, it, it, it Asked me to to give it a second, like it felt like it compelled me to give it a second chance because I just felt like I'm like there's something wrong here. Like when I was leaving, I'm like, why do I not enjoy this film as much as I thought I would? And I was like, maybe it was just disappointment. But then, yeah, after it gestated, after seeing it again, now I I think, and this isn't a knock on us, but I think I like it better than us. Um, I I I think it's it's one of his greater films, and again, I think it's just Jordan Peele reiteration that on name recognition alone, um, he's going to get people to show up to the movie theater. I do not know what the, the box office pool was for Nope, but it did pretty well. It did, did pretty, pretty, pretty well. well. Good. Yeah. Good. They so.
2: wanted it to do better, but it, it did good.
0: And it had a bigger budget than his last two films. So the bar was raised, but it did from a non IP studio film. That's technically some people are qualifying, qualifying as a horror. Uh, yeah. It did, it did well. Yeah. But yeah. So Nope didn't get it at first. Um, but uh, I do now, thankfully. All right. So Daniel came around. Laron, I'm very happy to hear that. Daniel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, did, we did that podcast together. I was going to say Laron heard
3: my uh, initially kind of negative comments about it.
1: So. That's all right. Um, I went back and forth on this um, because in both of the movies I was going to – I was oscillating between are about real life people. Um, one of them was blonde and the other one. Um, but that one was pretty much universally maligned. So um, – but the one I'll say that was I feel like pretty praised was Elvis. Um I think Austin Butler is great in the movie. I really think that he deserves all the accolades he's getting. Um, he is again the most compelling part of it. Um, and I am a Boz Lerman, I mean, Moulin Rouge is one of my top ten favorite movies, you know. So, like in, you know, and I grew up in the nineties, so the Romeo and Juliet version with Leo was a big deal to me. But there was just something about this one, it's maximalist to the highest order. Um, and normally with him, I expect that, but for this, it felt like it really could have used a little bit of rain. And because they're the parts that I found the most compelling, we don't spend much time with. And then we're shuffling between just manic editing and all this stuff. And it all like, it all looks cool, but for three hours and it's three hours long or two hours and 40 minutes. Um, it's a long, movie. it's a long movie. It just, that's a long time to be that stimulated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, somewhere about the midway point, I checked out and no longer was, it was never, no longer emotionally invested in the story. Um, I don't think it's a bad film, you know. I think I gave it three stars, you know, so it's just one that I know that is getting a lot of praise for all the crafts on it. And I just, I, I'm not as, I'm not as hyped on that train.
0: It's a long time to endure that Tom Hanks performance, whatever yeah, that I is. I love
1: Tom Hanks, but I couldn't weird. get behind the Colonel, the weird voice and the, the, the weird makeup. It just, it, 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 he doesn't act like any of the other characters in the movie, so he feels divorced from it. It just it doesn't work for me.
0: I did like that they framed the whole movie as like a crazy fever dream he ha- was having on his deathbed, the mm-hmm. Tom Hanks character. That kind of made all the zaniness a little more sure. uh, passable. Yeah, I was, I was with you on that one, Lauron. It's yeah. crazy that movie's getting talked about for like Oscar buzz, at least for Austin Butler. And I'm like,
2: really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Best picture,
1: director, screenplay, editing. Yeah. Yeah. Big I mean, year for
2: three-hour-long movies. Yeah, so many three-hour-long movies. <laughs>
0: it's too many, too way too many. Uh, that said, almost all my top five movies are too long. It brings me no pleasure to say that the movie I didn't get was Bones and All from Luke Black-Gwen. You know, Um it was all right. I didn't. I didn't hate it. Like it was cool. It it vibed with me kind of like the first part of Suspiria before it got all crazy supernatural. Um, it had little bits of Call Me by Your Name in there with the romantic vibe. I don't, I don't know what it is, guys. I, maybe it's the cannibalism. It just, I couldn't. You weren't into the cannibalism. But, come on, I just, Caleb. I know. I, open I tried. Your mind. I love the score. <laughs> I love Chalme. Mark Rylance shows up doing something. The I idea don't. It, it's it, I, I have to give him kudos for at least being memorable. But, love uh, that performance. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a movie. I'm glad Luca Guadagnino continues to make movies. This is just one of. I think the last few that just really didn't work for me as well as the others. And I think some of it was probably my expectations because I'd seen it after early buzz had come out. I was like, all right. Yeah. I love the last like four movies he's done. It was all right. It was all right. Not bad. Uh, Worth your time if you're a fan of previous films or horror. I mean, one could argue it's even doing some things with vampire lore that's potentially interesting if you're into that sort of thing. Even though it's cannibalism. There's there's some overlap there. But not my favorite. We're going to flip it. The movie that they didn't get. The movie that you – Dalton, Leron, Daniel loved or really admired that everyone else seemed to either overlook pan, rip a new one. Leron Chabin.
1: Um, a movie that a lot of people didn't get, uh, was already been mentioned already, uh, uh, is bodies, bodies, bodies. I've, I, I find so many people who hate that movie, like vehemently hate that movie because of the ending. And I think the ending's brilliant, but, um, and I can see if you go into it with certain I – won't, I won't spoil the ending, of course. But if you go into it with the expectation of seeing a certain movie, it very much is not that. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's not the movie that they advertised. But that for me was what made me excited about it because it didn't go where I expected it to go. And it wound up just being a social commentary on Gen Z culture. And I found that to be far more fascinating than a by the numbers who done it, you know, where, you know, it's obvious who the person is. You know, so that – so that surprised me. It made it. It made it more um, um, socially relevant and impactful for me. You know that it actually was actually saying something about about Gen Z culture, and so that's one that I, for at least in my circles, where a lot of people just didn't get it or didn't care for it, and I I was pretty warm on it. So,
0: well, they're all wrong, well, Ron. It's thank a great, you so much. It's a great move. You're wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> 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 uh, Daniel Bo Kemper. Yeah, so this one wasn't like
3: universally panned or anything, and it's a film I love, but I I there was a loud enough contingent um that felt this film was like grossly inappropriate and and it, it, I, I know why, but the reason why is is just stupid. Uh which again, we mentioned it earlier or I mentioned it earlier, uh, turning red.
2: May May! Breakfast is ready. <laughs> it's coming.
0: It's gonna be me. Ah! Is everything okay? <laughs>
1: I'm a gross red monster. <laughs> Don't look at me. Stay back. <gasps> this happened already? What did you say? You
2: might been hurt our ancestors had a mystical connection with red pandas. Are you kidding me? This little quirk oh. runs in our family. Oh.
3: There was a <laughs> again. It's a film about something that you know, especially young women have to approach at one point in their life, and and I think it did so in a way with tact, and in a way that that dispels feeling ashamed of it. Yet still, there are a lot of parents. I just read so many just Facebook posts about being so upset that suddenly they had to explain to their young child what a like period was or something like that. Get and I'm normal, like, right? Exactly, Get normal,
2: Get real, for real. Have like, you lived
0: it, in the real world?
2: No, yeah. <laughs> Human biology. Nah, these motherfuckers don't live in the real world. No, That's, the that's true. They
3: yeah, don't, yeah. and then they just want to oppress it, and then just have some weird, awkward. Like, like that's the thing. It's like you're injecting shame where it doesn't need to be. Yeah, it shouldn't be. And and, yeah. and and I heard enough. And again, I want to say I don't think when I say like they didn't get, I don't think like. I hope this is a small contingent that's just well, very, very loud and mostly just Karen's. Critically, it was very well received. Yes, yes. But critically, it was very well received. So, but but I do think that it's baffling that in 2022, we still have like <laughs> people freaking out about just human sexuality, very basic human sexuality that well, we
0: all have to approach. Well, Daniel, like, that's because a lot of people are just genuinely not used to having a woman tell us, them a story. Yes. That is not
2: about men- Trips, anyway. That's a whole other thing. Right. Uh, no, I mean, you make a good point. Yeah. You know, I mean, cinema is like male centric in a really serious way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you
0: just, I mean, and, and Dalton, I think you, I can't remember which one of our podcasts, at one point this year you had said, and I think it's true, we have cinema, despite what conservative. The conservative movement wants us to think Hollywood has actually gotten very sexless in the last decade. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there's really – it's been desexualized quite a bit. So the fact that like even things like a period make for awkward conversations just tells you a lot more about sort of the state of like the family unit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bummer. Dalton Stewart, what movie didn't they get?
2: Well, by they, I mean the dude behind me who said that's the worst movie I've ever seen. Uh, he's wrong. And it's the second best thing called God's country from this year. Uh, obviously there's another very cool thing called God's country. You should listen to that. But this movie starring, uh, Way Newton kicks ass. It rips. It is a revisionist Western that goes so hard. <laughs> I love this movie. I think it's so cool. Uh, it's, it's, it's got all the stuff you want out of the Western, but it's all repackaged and recontextualized and, and rethought through with, with the new context. It's just so interesting it's it's a character who is so reserved and, and a performance that's like so quiet and yet like has so many levels she's really doing a lot in this movie and and her her supporting cast is like really well equipped too she's she's got a lot of great scene partners in this film but it really is a showcase for her talents it, it's definitely feels like the movie that westworld paid for in a lot of ways um <laughs> thank you Westworld. Yeah. thank you westworld <laughs> for for giving us this the newton performance that uh this showcase that she's deserved for years it's really brought her
0: back in the forefront of the conversation uh, Newton, she is amazing just in general i haven't i didn't get to see god's country it is very high on my list it's though. a fun
2: movie yeah i think it's really cool uh it, it's Again, it's it's definitely playing with western tropes, but it's it's doing so in in ways that I thought were really unique and interesting.
1: Well, making her the forefront of a story of a western where she's, you know, and really in full command even though we're not quite sure how vulnerable or how equipped she is mm-hmm. for the threat that's imposing. Um, yeah, I thought she was fantastic in that, and I, that was one also. I think it's, it's not on my top ten list, but it's 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 one that I was very warm on for sure. Yeah, top twenty
2: five for me. It's, yeah. It stayed in that list uh, th- despite some intense competition. Like we said, this has been a good year for movies.
0: I'm gonna pick two movies because no one talked about
1: them. <laughs> they didn't get it because they didn't <laughs> show See those it. movies some love.
0: Uh, and uh, I, I I can't remember, if I haven't said this on air, I'm just gonna reiterate. Uh, this was a great year for animation in general. Turning Grad's a great example. There's some other movies we're going to talk about that are a great example. Two movies that I loved that came out very, very early this year, and I think one of them was an anime that got dropped in theaters called Bell from Mamoru Hosoda, uh, a, an anime director I quite like a lot. Uh, it's sort of a follow-up, spiritual successor to the film he did a few years back called Summer Wars. And it's it, w- the way he does it is really interesting. He's exploring Internet culture from a very – it's very easy when we think about the Internet to think toxic fandoms and how awful the Internet has – you know. Uh, one could argue destroyed uh, <laughs> pinnacles of our society and and uh, actually harmed our ability to communicate. Well, this movie comes in and says, "Let's focus on the positive. Let's talk about let's let's do an, let's tell an anime Beauty and the Beast style uh, love story." um, about how well the internet has actually brought people together and helped us form communities that, uh, communities that lift each other up, uh, lift the individuals in those communities up to overcome the challenges in their life. And I found that to be really, really sweet and uh, endearing. And again, I'm, I'm the first one to be really hard on the internet in general, specifically social media, but I, I did find uh, the movie to be a really powerful, uh, love story, uh, and not love in the romantic way. It, it makes you think it's going to be a romantic love story, but it's really, it's not. It's, it's, uh, I think, um, quite a bit, uh, more interesting and, and complex than that. The other one I want to note, uh, also a great year for stop motion animation specifically. Uh, this is not my pick, but Ma- I mean, Mad God, Pinocchio, the one I'm going to shout out because no one talked about it. Uh, it's an anthology on Netflix called the house, which is three different, uh, vignettes set, uh, in a house. The stories are all seemingly unrelated but the architecture of the house is the same. I started this and didn't finish it. It's a slow burn. Is it good? I like it a lot. Okay. I I think certain of the vignettes are a lot better than the others. I think the first one is the strongest one. Mm -hmm. But, man, there's the second one where you're dealing with – well, I won't tell you what you're doing, but it it gets under your skin. Creepy crawlies, man. And stop motion. Uh, Again, I just think the way it uh, utilizes stop motion animation is really innovative. And, uh, honestly, I've said this on our Pinocchio review – anytime someone shows up a stop motion, I automatically give them a, a leg up just because there's so few films that do it. Well, do it at all or do it well, especially. So I want to recommend both of those. All right. This brings us to our top five films of 2022 round two. Laurent Chapman, what is your number four movie and why?
1: My number four movie is Nope.
4: Oh, it's a bad miracle. They got a word for that. Yeah, nah, nah, nah.
1: We we've already discussed it on the podcast already, um, but I this is one that I have seen three times in theaters and once at home, and very similar to what Daniel said earlier. I do like it more than Us, and I like it more than Us because as I've revisited Us, Us has fallen apart for me on as a story. I think that everything that's going on, it, on in on it is great. Um, I just think that there are a lot of plot holes. In us that that just don't hold up on repeated viewings. Whereas Nope kind of feels like that when I watch it the first time, but it rewarded, you know, repeated viewings um, where things started to click more for me. I liked it more and more the more I saw it. I think it's it's Peele's most ambitious movie. I think as a straightforward story, um, Get Out is, is my favorite of his movies, um, and I think it always will be. I can say confidently that this is, his second best film or maybe his most, most technically great film. Um, And there's just, there's scenes in this movie um, that I think are indelible now and will become iconic things that get memed and referenced, you know, several times, you know Um, the bleeding house, you know, the, the, the screams of the people being consumed by the entity in the sky, you know, like just, there's just so many, you know, and the final, Like third act of that movie is just bananas, you know, so um, there are set pieces in it that I thought were as, you know, as as great as any, any movie I've seen, you know, so that'd be my number four pick, Jordan Peele's Nope.
0: My Favorite moment, uh, I mean, there's a lot of great, actually, there's a lot of A-plus moments, but uh, as the title would hint, one of my favorites that was both terrifying and hilarious is when it gets dead quiet and he's in the truck, uh, Daniel Kalu, and then he looks, he starts, he's like, <laughs> Is it safe? and he opens the thing up and looks up, and there's the thing, and in there's the things like, Nope, nope, <laughs> and I know that's like the line, but it's so perfect, it, it's, yeah. it's funny, it's scary, it's mysterious, it, it's everything. There's so many moments like that throughout the film, he gets
1: genre really well, and it's really strange because. I feel like some of the best horror – horror is my favorite genre. Like, I mean, that just – just because I think it's the hardest to accomplish well. You know what I mean? Like, so when it's done well, I really appreciate all the craft that went into it. Um, well, well,
0: well, well, Leron – Wait, nope, nope. It's not a horror movie. Don't oh, you? Oh wait. Know? Oh oh well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, I,
0: I had to play that card. Yes. I'm joking. I'm kidding. He did. Kid. He
1: did pull that 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 on us. Um, yeah, because Get Out's a social satire, whatever that is. It's like you. Yeah, um, well, and
0: also the the movement of people on the internet who keep insisting things that don't follow very specific conventions yeah. of horror
1: are not horror movies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he gets it, and it's weird because I feel like some of the best genre films that have come out of the last 10 years have been from like, oddly, from like comedians and like, I mean Quiet Place, the first two. I mean like, I mean like, that's, I mean, was it what's his name? Uh, Krasinski? Mm. John Krasinski. John Krasinski, Krasinski. Yeah. 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 I mean like you wouldn't think that, you know, like Get Out would be such a influential movie of the moment and like when I saw it, I knew it was great, but as I'm thinking about it, like it it's had an influence, you know, it's kind of, you know, affected the genre in a way. And so um and it's just great to see again, always to see representation, seeing you know, um black and queer characters. Cause she she, you know, Kiki Palmer's character, um, it's not overtly mentioned, but you know, being in the forefront and having, you know, a story like this that again's not focusing on that element of it. They just exist in this universe uh, it was just great to see.
0: So, and not to mention Kiki Palmer was, she's great. Incredible. Yeah, she's great. In it, yeah. yeah. Uh, man, that's a great pick. Uh, Leron, my, my mo- appreciation for that movie has only grown yeah. since we talked about it. Uh, so great pick, Dalton Stewart, what is your number four film?
2: My number four film is the film that did successfully play to my daddy issues, uh, <laughs> because it's fucking on site for the Sackler family, baby. It's all the beauty and the bloodshed by Laura Poitras, oh, the, uh, wow. the documentary about the life of photographer and activist, Nan Golden. What a film. Uh, it simultaneously charts Nan Golden's childhood and adolescence and career while also showing a portrait for modern day work, uh, Trying to get the Sackler family name removed from muse- museums throughout the world um, really kind of came out of nowhere. Knocked some other <clears throat> some other stuff I really loved out of the top five consideration, out of the top twenty five. Uh, it was one of the last films that I caught up with this year, but really am in digging this stock and I, I can't more strongly recommend it. I think it's really powerful and. Um, I don't know. The opioid epidemic continues unabated, um, yeah. you know, just because the Purdue Pharma was, you know, dissolved uh, for all intents and purposes doesn't mean that uh, things are going to get better. And uh, I think that the work that Nan Golden uh, is doing deserves a spotlight and, uh, you know, I, I was not familiar with her work as a photographer either. And so getting this film not only to see like the work she's doing as an activist, but getting to experience her work as a photographer through the the montage work that this film does is is really exciting for me just to, to get exposure to an artist I'm not familiar with. Uh, so, yeah, I can't can't more strongly recommend this film. I think it's uh, going cold. You know, I, I don't want to go give you too much because I think watching it unfold is really interesting and really powerful. But uh, just suffice to say that Nan Golden's a real one. Uh, re- just a cool person with a really interesting story and a really interesting life. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky to have her, uh, on this planet.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. And that's, uh, for listeners, if you didn't catch it the first time, that's all the beauty in the bloodshed, right? all the beauty in the bloodshed. Yes. Thank you, Caleb. Excellent. Daniel Kemper, what is your pick for number four?
3: Yeah. So a, a little theme of mine, uh, continues as I alluded to in my fifth pick. My, uh, number four is glass onion, a knives out mystery, uh, from Ryan Johnson.
1: We've arrived. Disruptors have assembled.
2: Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that?
0: Benoit Blanc, the detective?
1: Mr. Prompt, I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start?
3: I am very, very happy this series is still. All right, like I was so worried it was just going to crash and burn horribly, and there is crashing and there is burning, um, in this film. But <laughs> there sure is. It, it's it's disruption. not disruption. It's not a disruption. Yes, We are the reclamation of the disruptors. Um, it's it's just so, it's still just so funny, and it still speaks to it. I I will say like, and we we talk about this in pretty great detail on um the podcast we did for Knives Out, but or excuse me, Glass Onion, but also. Um, in my uh, review of Glass Onion itself, also on the cinema, uh, excuse me, thecinematropolis.com. Um, but but I will say it 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 keeps what Knives Out did right without feeling completely rehashed. It still was new, um, and as of right now, I'm I'm think this this series definitely has legs um, to go. I think we also get a little bit more of what I felt was very compelling of Knives Out, which is uh, Benoit Blanc, Daniel Craig's character. But then you also have some just absolute Heavy hitters in the form of Janelle Monáe um, and also Kate Hudson, just yeah. like out of nowhere, the, the show. dark horse, Kate yes. Hudson, yes, yes, so her birdie, just like what, like what is reality even or whatever she says. <laughs> it's just such a good delivery. But I, I also think it's it's the other thing is it kind of pushes away some cliches of the man of mystery with, especially with Benoit Blanc. I mean, he's not, I, I not, and I don't mean, I know Daniel Craig portrayed 007, but I feel like Benoit Blanc is such a perfect antithesis, but still very compelling in that he's not a womanizer and he doesn't use violence to solve everything. He in fact is just using his mind and he knows who the actual heroes of the story are and mm-hmm. who when they deserve to take action. And I, I think that's so cool that they preserve that, but we still get a little bit more of him. We still get it. Yeah. Now that all being said, I would probably say the original *Lives Out*. I, I think I like it better. It's a little tighter. But so, yeah. Yes, and it, but that's not saying because again, if we were talking about 2019, that film would probably rank for me even higher than this one is right now. So again, uh, still very, very, very strong showing, um, and I'm I'm very excited. There are a few weird things, and the amount of money that's being hurled at this franchise um, mm-hmm. gets a, gets a little scary. Um, especially when this film is one that is in part a, a dissection of, of wealth, but okay, I think th- it's still,
0: not only is it a dissection of wealth, it is a movie that is knocking air quotes disruptors that is produced by Netflix. Yes. The ultimate, uh, entertainment uh, the film industry
3: disruptor. <laughs> exactly. That is admittedly, I think it was Joe light who was on the uh, glass onion podcast who, who she was not a fan of glass onion, but she brought that up. And I, I have to say. Yes, it does make my appreciation for this film a little gross, but I, I, I still think it's very great and compelling. And again, I think it it can, I, I do hope it moves away from just talking about the rich and maybe looking at, or if it does looking at it in a bit different light, because now we have two entries that are about wealthy. It just, that happens to be a good, I think, catalyst to have somebody with a tremendous amount of wealth that a lot of people lean on. Sure. You know that makes a good catalyst for whodunit, I think, and and gives people a lot of motives.
0: Well, I think um, uh, one one thing I was uh, reading after I watched this one a second time, um, mm-hmm. the uh, the first film is dealing with old money, uh, whereas this film yeah. is dealing with new money, tech industry billionaires, new money, and exponentially more money. Like yeah, exponentially, in in yeah. a part ways, uh, Harlan um, Christopher
3: Plummer's character in the first one, he's he's very he's more subdued. He he could actually be wealthier, but he doesn't. You know he doesn't want to taint his art. Um, yeah. or, 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 or let it, you know, be adapted into whatever. And, and where's this, it's just somebody who really didn't earn their wealth going bananas with it. Um, and, and again, it's, it's just so good and just a lot of fun. Another great film to just see with a crowd and just mm-hmm. react to. Uh, that
0: is a movie that, that is the biggest bummer, uh, of this movie being sent yes. to Netflix is it plays with a crowd? Like Very, it's yes, just so incredible.
1: Good. So good. And it was barely in the movie theaters. Like, it's oh, we- such a limited time. I made yeah. a point to go to see it in theaters for that one reason. Yeah. It was
0: only released in 600 theaters and, and yet was the number three movie uh, that, despite being in a fraction of the number of theaters of Black Which Panther. Which is just a
1: weird model. You know, I just, I, I you would think I like. Get it. Like it's going to make table, money. They're leaving the, a lot of money on the The first one made money. Like, why would you think and, this one? And the
0: first one had huge legs between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, yeah. like, I honestly think it would have been like a top three movie every weekend oh, yeah. until Avatar came out. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and it kind of plays to it. Caleb mentioned earlier about Prey and – and uh, oh, Hellraiser. Me. Prey Hellraiser. and Hellraiser. Like, how successful those films probably would have been if they just sat there. But yeah. no, send them to streaming.
0: <sighs> Great pick, Daniel. I think we might be hearing about more about that one here in a moment. But first – my number one, four movie is a little movie I like to call simply three letters. It is simply uh. R-R-R. <laughs> <laughs>
2: as the Navi saying, <laughs> I see you, I see you. <laughs> this movie, oh my
0: God. Whenever I heard the buzz about it, I didn't believe it. Rise, Roar, Revolt, RRR, is probably the most exciting blockbuster I have seen in years. It's not based on anything except for, you know, uh, Indian, like, cultural icons, yeah. right? It's their superheroes, but it's not making them. I mean, it, they are superheroes, but it's like an origin story about real things they they dealt with oppression, racism, uh, imperialism, colonialism. Uh, there's a romance tied in here, and simultaneously, there's a scene where a, a truck crashes and a bunch of tigers all fly out of the cages at the <laughs> same time to attack the snooty British people while their building's on fire. It's incredible. Yeah, this movie is a ride. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm teasing. I, I'm, I'm spoiling a, a future answer, but it's a movie that I so wish I could have seen with a with a full crowd in a theater That's so bad. badly because. Uh, I watched it on Netflix with my fiance Lauren, and we we were laughing the whole time. It's a three hour movie, despite the fact that we I feel like most yeah. three hour movies have been too long this year. This it is does, one that moved.
1: It I was not, never bored. I was never bored. Never feels like three hours. It feels fresh, but it's still a blockbuster. It's, yeah. it's it's
0: inspiring our imaginations. It's creating heroes that stand for morals and ethics, and they're fighting oppression, fighting for the people. It's just a awesome, awesome movie. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a cult hit. I do think, um, yeah. I am hopeful that it replays in theaters uh, in future years.
1: There is a camp; they're actually campaigning too, so it's really nice to see the cast members campaigning for the film. So there is a, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough crowd, but I mean, like it, there's an opportunity for this to be in the Oscars race, you know, like in a couple of categories, at least three, including Best Picture as like the 10, ten nominations, the ten spot. people. If there, there is, is a if, spot, if there's
0: an empty nomination and RRR is not in there, I am going be, to be upset.
1: That would be a very happy day. Rajmoole
0: yeah. getting the director nod would be huge. Yes, Andy absolutely. Really cool and yeah, would be director really is one of them. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, So that's my pick, RRR. It's on Netflix right now. I, yeah. I implore you. I know it's three hours and you're like, whoa, that's a big commitment. It, it's you, you won't feel it. Get a bunch of friends together and, and watch, watch it. it in your living room on TV. It is such a crowd movie. It's and a at the time. end,
2: you'll know not to. Yeah, <laughs> that's truly the, the greatest gift the movie can give you. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. What a brilliant movie. What a surprise. What I
0: love. I love the surprise of RRR. So that is my number. Th- uh, so number so four
2: movie squeezed out for me, Caleb. Yeah, I'm so glad to, to hear you highlight it. Yes.
1: Awesome. Well, you put it so high on your list. That's that's just, true bravery.
2: I go back to one of the big things that I, sort of in
0: my own little rubric is like just the experience of it and mm-hmm. rewatchability and the uh, impact. And I feel like those three areas, like it's a three, it's, it's kind of like a, it's a totally different movie than Cloud Atlas, a movie I really like from 2012. That's another three hour movie that I feel like I can just pop on and it, I don't feel the runtime at all. So um, that is my number four movie. This round, we have two special awards we're going to hand out. Uh, the first one is the Dom Toretto Movie You're Most Likely to Watch Recommend to Your Family Award, named after, of course, the the family man himself, Dom Toretto. <laughs> Laurent Chapman, what is your pick?
1: I actually picked Glass Onion for this because I really do feel like it has a broad appeal where, I mean, you can show it to your grandmother, you could show it to a teenager, you can show it to – It's it generationally, there's just a lot going on here. Kate Hudson's character can be the millennial, you know, um, you know, millennial age. I think, um, yeah, I feel like that's one that dad could have could like grandpa could like. Um, and it's just a good time. Um, I, I went into it with high expectations and, and left still pretty pleased with it. So, um, again, Janelle Monae got a shout her out, got a shout out. Kate Hudson. Um, the surprise hit was Kate Hudson. I knew, she, I mean, I knew from the trailer she was giving something, but, it i just she's a despicable person but she's very hilarious to just to watch and witness so um and it's and it's a and it's a tough feat cuz Knives Out was kind of a surprise hit you know it, it i didn't expect it to be as good as it was going to be and so um so there was a lot of hype around and a lot of expectation around this one this sequel and so for it to have hit as hard as it did i still prefer the first one but i think that it it just it's still such a good time that yeah I think that's one that anyone can enjoy.
0: It's definitely I think generally uh, a great family pleaser. Right? It was the movie I wanted to take my family to uh to see at Thanksgiving, but it was not playing in the theater where we were uh, at at the time. Daniel Bokeper, Dom Toretto, what what award would you give out on his behalf? So I'm
3: I'm really split. It it honestly comes down to two: one a bit more personal, and another that I is actually like proven. Um to some extent for me. So, um the one I want to mention that that is not ultimately my pick, but I think it's worth mentioning is The Fablemans. I think both the combination of the family structure, uh my mom uh being a musician herself and then uh but always being at the the junior high choir director level, not that she hasn't gotten to do bigger things, but I think there's this like I can feel that connection of of wanting to do more, and maybe perhaps her really resonating with Michelle Williams' character in a lot of ways. But then my uh, dad just loving John Ford, and uh, God, that just pays off so well. And, and incredible I think, cameo, yes, yes. And we we it's not the last you hear of it, but I I do want to mention that that like that I think he would connect with. But I think ultimately, uh, for Father's Day, I took my dad to see Top Gun: Maverick, and I think that might be it. Might be one of the best like. Legacy sequels I've seen just because it has that it's really that what I think legacy sequels are designed or legacy sequels are designed to do is that 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 kind of multi generational fun and I think we both had a good time. Is it like a perfect movie or a particular like much of a thinker? Uh, No, don't think exactly. Don't think, Daniel. Don't think. That's right. The geese. They're gonna. (laughs) (laughs) Don't think about it. (laughs) But I, uh, I, uh, but it was, but to see my dad there and to see my dad. Not like we used to go to so many films together, and then just to be able to take him to that one, mm-hmm. go to flicks, have a couple beers together, and just and just really enjoy it for for what it is. That I is think. a great dad movie. It is. That it is, is a dad movie, and sure. um, <laughs> you know my mom really likes Tom Cruise too, so it's um, she'll enjoy it as well. She does like the first Top Gun, um, but. Um, yeah, that, that being said, I am, I'm really getting ready. I, I can already feel hating Top Gun Maverick in a few years after, you know, every office and every office leader just uses it
0: inevitably in virtually
3: everything, uh, at every analogy they build. I, 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 I just, I'm, you know, it's,
2: it's, it's the, gonna... the problem when everybody sees a movie.
0: Exactly.
3: You've
2: got to hear about it for the next five years. Or, yes. or they
0: uh, all get into Ted Lasso and all of a sudden all the leaders start quoting, misquoting it, uh, and using <laughs> it <for> their, yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> There's like so many layers to
3: people misquoting Ted Lasso because it's like Ted Lasso misattributing a quote clo- to Walt Whitman that is misattributed <laughs> to him. Yeah.
1: And then people are just attributing. Yeah, it's the yeah. inception of bad. Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Media literacy, guys, it's really important. Right. <laughs> Pay attention,
1: please. Google.
0: All right. Dalton Stewart. So, Daniel, I'm gonna I'm I'm putting you down as a pair there. So you've got Top Gun Maverick and The Fablemans, right? So, okay,
1: yeah. all right. Those are both good family films. Yeah, mm-hmm. they
0: are. I think I think Dom Toretto, if his dad was still around, You'd maybe like- could go see one of those. Mm. If his dad hadn't died in that. <laughs> his dad hadn't died in that horrible epic <laughs> racetrack death in F9. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dalton Stewart, what is your uh, the movie you're most likely to watch or recommend to your family?
2: Well, I did watch Glass Onion with my family. I had to take them to see it for Thanksgiving, and it was a hit. So yeah, I, I can I can second that sentiment. I uh, went and saw the menu with my sister who works in the uh, the, the service industry. Uh, that was a great time, and I think my dad would really like it. But the, the film that I am going to go with is uh, my very good friend Marcel the Shell with Oh yeah. Yes, I think yeah, this this is going to hit for the family. It's everybody can watch it. There's nothing objectionable about it except for a, an extremely good pubic hair joke. Really. <laughs> just an aces joke uh Ginny Slate really bringing this this internet character to to fully full life giving it a a real well rounded sort of interesting interior life for this little shell it's great I don't know it's a movie about movies too it's got Mm -hmm. it's you know it's playing with documentary it's playing with stop motion Mm -hmm. it's doing so many different things uh, and again, it's just, it's very heartwarming and very, just a sweet film about family and connection and, and looking for a place to belong. It's great. How can you walk away from that film mad? It's just, it's, 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 it's impossible. A, it's, a, it's impossible. Also. It brings so
3: much warmth to the heart. Talk about crying in films. God, Marcella Shell. Ugh. Just. Yeah. Straight yeah. to the heart, yeah. Uh, Nana, she, Nana, I can't remember yeah. the character's name, but
2: uh. it's just exciting to see A twenty four be able to do yes. so many things this year. They, Very they, different I mean, they, things, really. Too. They yeah. that's always been their their deal. I mean, mm-hmm. for years now, it is kind of a diverse slate of films that have a, I don't know, a shared goal or a shared sort of vibe but this year, especially for them felt like a really a a breakout, a, year. Nice, a nice sampling of like what they're capable of producing and, and, uh, distributing.
0: Definitely. I think the I think that a lot of their genre picks really did well. I mean, obviously, uh, uh everything every well at once we'll get to later, but, uh, huge hit there. I'm going to change up and because yeah, glass onion, as I said, I wanted to take the family, it didn't work out, but it would have been my selection naturally, but I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears here. A movie that I don't know if I've talked to any of you about actually, mm-hmm. uh, A movie that I think actually would have done really well had it been marketed and put in theaters, especially in the May time frame in which it came out on Disney Plus. That is Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers from our friends at the Lonely Island. Okay. Oh, man. It's like a Who Framed Roger? I know the the, the phrase, the modern air quotes, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, has been used for a lot of different movies. But I really think this is probably the most comparable film because it's a live action film. That features a significant amount of animated characters. Another movie that is also about a very different side of Hollywood, which is like bootlegging and stuff. It, it was it was really clever. It has so many cameos that I feel like your mom and dad are gonna. Oh, I know that animated character from the '50s. You know, it, they they throw everything kind of at the kitchen sink, and it works for the most part. I had, I had a really great time with it. I, maybe I'm biased. I liked the animated Chippendale movies a uh, tv show from the, like the 80s and 90s it's but this, this is actually nothing it's so meta cuz it's about the, their fan their their fame in the real world uh i don't know i had a great time with this movie it was really sweet it was really fun it was pretty inoffensive um you get to say uh, here jk simmons play a a, a stop motion animated gumby like sheriff character that was really fun <laughs> Yeah, it's a good time. I don't regret my time watching You've convinced me to write it down. I'm writing yeah. it down. Yeah, it's a fun time. All right. That takes us to our next special award, the movie you're least likely to watch or recommend to your parents. <laughs> watch with or recommend to your parents award. And uh, Dalton, I'm going to start with you on this one. Ooh, this
2: is a tough one. Ooh, there's some good options on the table. There's some real sicko shit this year, you guys. Ooh, there's some nasty, mean-spirited- What's your filthiest film? some nasty, mean-spirited movies this year. I love it. Uh, I'm going to go with the weird pick, though. Uh, You know, my my immediate, like, first thought is Speak No Evil, which is a film that goes so hard. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I'm going to go with a a film that probably most of you, I don't think any of you probably got a chance to see because it didn't get a theatrical release. It is Amanda Kramer's Give Me Pity, which is a mm. buck wild- Film starring uh, the one and only um, uh, Bette Midler's daughter, believe it or not, Uh, the uh, Sophie von Hasselberger is her name. She's playing a character called Sissy St. Clair in her Sissy St. Clair's small screen television television debut. It is a one hour variety special that's haunted by a demon. Uh, it's very Adult Swim adjacent Jason vibes, really kind of surreal, weird film with great musical numbers, incredible costumes, but just a, a vibe that I couldn't even begin to sell my parents on. Like, what are you? Hey, this is not a movie for your family. <laughs> this, this is a movie for a bunch of people who might be too high to actually watch it. Uh, it's, it's a weird movie. So it's definitely a good time. Um, a friend of mine was visiting and uh, he, he was able to screen it at a uh, art space that he works at. So he had uh, screener access to it and I got, I got to check it out. And uh, wow, what a, what a picture. Uh, I don't think it's available to stream anywhere right now, but uh, the trailer absolutely hits. You should go check that out. It's Give Me Pity. Uh, Amanda Kramer definitely a film that I'm excited uh, about and one I, I again I hope I hope to see more from Amanda Kramer because it is such a an interesting kind of out there experiment of a film man you mentioning that
3: I'm gonna check out give me pity but did you happen to catch the uh a film that I am having a hard time finding but I knew it came out this year the W N U F uh, Halloween special the seek sequ- do you know the original Mm-mm. oh about a ha- oh never mind then I thought I thought you'd know mm. uh it's okay <laughs> it's about a, a haunted uh Unaired news broadcast. It's kind of a found footage Oh, that film, sounds cool. But like half of it is legitimately made like uh, commercials from the 90s. So it feels very authentic, but it's oh, cool. ultimately very funny. But they uh, that film came out, I want to say like in 2013. Um, and then its long-awaited sequel came out this year. But to my understanding, it's a very like Blu-ray only, have to buy directly from –
2: Gotcha. You know, the distributor. But. Yeah, I don't I don't even know if this ended up getting distribution. So I, I know really? it's, it's a hard pick. To, I mean, in that regard, I can't recommend it to my family because I don't know where I would tell yes, them to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got really excited. I thought it was on the Roku channel for a little bit. So I was like telling people. I was like, oh, shit, you can watch this movie. But it is just the trailer, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, so uh, give me pity. Uh, definitely keep an eye out for it, listener. Maybe someday it'll, it'll hit streaming. We'll do some digging in the show notes. Check it out there.
0: Lauren Chapman, what is yes. the movie you are
1: least likely to watch with or recommend to your parents? Well, I say least likely. I actually did show this to my mom. Hell yeah! It was one movie that's already been mentioned in this podcast is Men. Um, oh boy, my, my mom is not a my mom is not a movie person. Her favorite movies are Grease, Hope Floats. You know, Jerry Maguire, like you know what I mean, like the men feels natural, and the lineup. hits, yeah. you know, so men wasn't <laughs> one that I should have watched with her, but really it was just my excuse to put it on, you know. And so, I do like it a little bit more than I think you do, uh, mm-hmm. Daniel, but I do have uh, similar issues with it. Um, but I think, um, I you know, sometimes when you watch a movie with somebody and you see it through their eyes because they're not having a good experience, mm-hmm. and then um, so by the time we got to the end, you know, with the ultimate, you know, the sequence that everyone will talk about after they see it. A whole lot of Rory's. A whole lot of Rorys, yeah. Rory within a Rory within a oh. Rory. You know what do you call? It? What, are the, what are those little dolls called? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the Russian, Nesting doll. Nesting Russian dolls. Russian yeah, yeah. dolls. Yes, <laughs> that sequence. It, it that it offended her to such a degree that I don't know if she'll ever watch a movie that I recommend again. Even if it, <laughs> even if it does star Julia Roberts and George Clooney, you know, like it's just like this so every
0: every single time that uh, you yeah. recommend a movie, she's gonna be like, "Is it like that one? Is movie? Is it like
1: Men?" That movie, Men, <laughs> you, that know you the showed me had the scene with the thing. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry, Mom. I really didn't think it was going to offend you that much, but um, it, it was a hard watch with her. So yeah, don't don't show your mom that movie. She won't appreciate it. I mm. promise.
2: No, yeah, I can't imagine a universe in which my mom responds well to men. <laughs> Listen, Leron,
0: my dad got anger, anger. Uh, he, he got angry and offended by House of Gucci. I don't think he would make it through the first oh, two minutes. Of
1: <laughs> oh wow! So, no, yeah. no, you
0: yeah, know Daniel Bo Yeah,
3: so this one is uh, pretty hard, mostly because like the bar is um, set pretty high. I went to Bruno in theaters. At my mom's request, like she wanted to go see it, and incredible, um, yeah, and she laughed her ass off at that. So I feel like I could recommend most things to her, and it wouldn't be too terrible. But but my dad's a little harder nut to crack. But I think I, I know the film that both of them uh, would would be pretty repulsed by. And uh, that is Kevin Smith's Clerks 3. I uh, <laughs> made it to this lineup. I saw Kevin Smith uh, present this film when he was in Oklahoma City a few months back. Um, Can I earlier just, this month,
0: actually. Is this movie – I we never really got to talk about this properly. Is this more yeah. Clerks 1, Clerks 2, which are actually very different? Is this more early Kevin Smith or is this more like Tusk? There's uh, no
3: early Kevin Smith. He gone. he just. Gone. It's just – and even then – early Kevin Smith was horribly misguided in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, like you, sure. you like I used to love chasing Amy and now I look at that and I'm like, oh, that's a that's a that's a problematic film right there. Mm. Um but I uh I think he the one thing when I listen to hear him talk and, and the one thing that I think I felt most compelled when I was younger to Kevin Smith was just how much he celebrated movies. So with his earlier stand-up special or stand-up specials, they're they're more lectures. Uh, an evening with Kevin Smith and then um an evening with Kevin Smith too. Evening harder. Um, those two are solid, and to see him speak again about films and to know he still has that that passion for movie making and in a love of cinema, even if he himself may not be the best uh, storyteller all the time. But I don't know. I feel like this film. It's just like the thing that my parents would hate about it is a it's it's a Kevin Smith film, so we got that layer of of disdain. And then how much it's about just New Jersey. It's so, 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 so regional, like a lot of his a lot of his films that it's just they would be utterly alienated as the the Midwesterners they are. And I think like it's it, it does speak to something about like, you know, heart and mortality and 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 those things, which are I think fairly universal. But for films that approach that, you know, there's also like uh from twenty twelve, uh Michael Hanukkah's a more, which is a, a very depressing film, but it, it actually talks about some of the same things that Clerks Three is trying to talk about. It's just it's it's um, Kevin Smith telling you instead of Michael Haneke, and and again, I don't know. Uh, I I I think he might not be quite the the storyteller uh, that the former is. Yeah, again, it does have a little bit of heart, but it's still Kevin Smith, and often he's terribly misguided, and sometimes he gets so obsessed with just saying something he thinks is clever that it's to the utter detriment to of the uh, sincerity of his film. So yeah, no, I don't think I'll be recommending Clerks Three to my parents.
0: I'm gonna pick one that. I, in fact, was planning to watch with my future mother in law that I abandoned ship after I saw it at a press screener, and that is Babylon. A <laughs> movie I worked really hard to sell uh, her and Lauren, my fiance Lauren, on before Christmas, uh, before I had gotten a press invite for it, saying, Yeah, we should go see this. It's Damien Giselle. Here's the trailer. Oh, it's historic Hollywood. It's got Brad Pitt. You know, I was like, Oh, yeah, her mom's going to go for this. Got super excited, then went and saw it at a press screener, uh, and I walked away. It was a th- And I was like, Oh, Yeah, not about to watch uh, some watch a movie that featured that in which you can see scenes of I don't know people having champagne bottles popped up their butthole. I don't know if I want to watch that with my potential my future mother-in-law. So uh, we uh, we pivoted very quickly to Puss in Boots instead. Safe bet, (laughs) safe bet, safe choice. And you know it was a very good (laughs) choice, but uh, yeah, safe choice uh, indeed. Uh, that said, I don't think I can think of anything more horrifying than watching Jackass Forever with my parents. They would be mortified Aww. within the first five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> the,
1: what yeah, if they're the, really intro, into The it, intro though. itself. What, but yeah. Spike John's intro. <laughs> yeah. Forget it. I will say, yeah, forget it.
0: That is my pick. Uh, Babylon with with a, uh, an edition of Jackass Forever. Uh, all right. Let's move on to round three. What is your number three movie of 2022 and why? Daniel Boatkemper, I'll start with you.
3: I'm not quite through with the mysteries yet. Uh, Decision to Leave is my number oh, three from yeah. uh, Park Chan-wook, a fantastic film. He's famous for Joint Security Area and the original Old Boy, the good one. Um, <laughs> and uh, along with I, The Handmaiden, can't forget that one. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, but also, um, ooh, and I, I will butcher his name a little bit, but he is a fantastic actor. Uh, Park hae il uh, prob- gives probably, and I'm saying this. Knowing full well that Memories of Murder is one of my favorite films of all time, which he also stars in. But I think he gives one of his most – just just best performances of his career in this film. And I, I think it's just the story itself is so emotionally stirring and it's so intricately it. And then on top of it, you have this detective who uh, suffers from extreme insomnia – and to the point where it actually affects the film's editing. And again, this might be one of the the, the best editing I think I've seen. Yeah. Um, of what I've seen at least in in 2022, and I I think you, you just have to watch every second. If you look away, you miss something that's so important. But you're not going to have much trouble uh, not looking away because it's just that that compelling. It's just so great. Um. I, I I cannot give it enough praise. And again, just a just a mystery. Just so how. And it almost has these two parts. It's, it's almost a two part film that mm-hmm. has an abrupt pace, but it does it so well and so seamlessly. And again, that editing just makes everything feel so so smooth and really captures that idea of a very frantic mind racing. But it does it in a way that's not disorientating um, disorienting. And I think that's that's a very, very hard balance to strike, to not be an assault on your senses. Um, and, and again, I, j- I just think it does it so well. Cannot say enough good things about it, and I promise that is that is my last that is my last mystery movie.
2: I love Tang Wei in that movie. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, her, her, her performance is I'm so sure. good. Dude. She is. She right. rules. Yeah.
0: I, I think uh, – you know what's funny is that movie is kind of a pretty straight neo-noir and I think it just speaks so much to the power of his direction because it doesn't feel – it It doesn't feel – it really doesn't feel like it, at least for me until the very end when I was like, oh, OK. This is, this is what we're dealing with. But the way yeah. he constructs things, the editing and the way he d- decides to reveal certain – plot beats and character beats really kind of kept me guessing pretty for
3: quite a while yeah a pretty close analogous i would say a film that i discovered recently that i had no idea about it's an older film but this one it feels like they they would make such a great double feature would be brian de palma's blowout starring john travolta which again has a very unfortunately not unfortunately but uh has a very um ending that 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 strikes a very similar chord um, in a lot of ways, but at the same time, just has this great mystery. And that one does a lot more with sound design, but what this does visually, I think. So,
0: again, just a great sensory experience. All right. Decision to Leave. Great film. Check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Dalton Stewart, what is your number three movie of 2022?
2: Uh, my number three movie is a 2021 movie by some metrics, because that's when it had its festival release, but it got its wide release this year. It is Coganata's After Yang. Come
4: on, Yang. What are you doing? Come- Come on. What happened to Yang? I
0: don't know. He shut down last night. He won't restart. This has this happened before? No. If we can't
2: get Yang fixed, we're not going to buy another sibling for Nico.
4: It is an interior core problem. I need your permission to break open the core. We've always known that some bots are equipped with spyware. You might not want this
2: bot in your house anymore. I wish I had a real memory. What do you mean? Ooh, what a movie. Uh, A film about identity and memory and family and personhood and... And so much uh, and, and so beautiful and and a film that's like doing science fiction in such a restrained and interesting way, hiding its most sci-fi elements in the background a lot of the time, uh, not really explaining everything about the intricacies of the world that exists to you. It's just sort of allowing the world to exist and breathe. Um, and and again, what a year for Colin Farrell. I mean, really, really tough for me to nail one performance, but I think this is the one for me. Uh, he's just really lights out in this. I don't think he's ever been better. And the the whole cast really is, is really strong and, and maybe one of the opening credit sequences of the year. Uh, oh, absolutely. Come on. That dance sequence is so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am I'm, I'm just in love with this film. I think it's, it's really tender and, and, and lovely and, and, uh, it just has such a, a an open heart and, and, and yet like has this melancholy to it as well. This, this, this knowledge that you can never really know the people around you and and it's hard to not – when somebody is so intimately a part of your life, it can be easy to take them for granted. Um, and, and I think that the film like does a really good job of, of playing with an idea and, and sort of drawing it out into a, a science fiction context. And, and just uh, – I want to get the actor's name because I can't remember it off the top of my head. Justin H. Min, who plays Yang, is also giving an excellent performance – uh, Jody Turner Smith, as as Ferrell's wife, doesn't have quite as much to do as either of those two., uh, but she's also got a great performance in this. but uh, but really, just H men like has this this monologue about a documentary about tea that's a real documentary that he's referencing. But there's this back and forth that him and Colin Farrell have about tea that is about so much more than tea. It's yeah. about culture and and life and it's it's and, what it means to be an Android, uh, with with you know an identity that is going to cause people to other you. It's, it's just so many interesting ideas in this film. I, I really do love it.
1: Levaron well, Chapman, what is your number three film? My number three film is After Sun. Um, I love this movie so much. You mean the um, si-
0: the sequel to After Yang? Right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um,
1: I love this movie so much, um, Daniel. You mentioned uh, Decision to Leave. I I have not yet seen it. Um, Um, But as far as editing goes for me and without having seen that Mm -hmm. this to me as far as uh, editing is not something that I normally pinpoint in a movie. Um, I'm I'm a writer director. I'm not really a craftsman in that sense. I can tell when something doesn't work for me. Um, But this is one of the few films where I actually noticed the editing and I noticed what the editing was doing. and And I noticed how the editing was a very much a part of the story. Um, like how images are shown to us, what follows the image that you see before it, it's so it's all very intentional And then when it culminates to such a moving uh, final act, you know that final act really is the movie but um, just that again and we, we kind of um, brought it up earlier but the that 360 swivel at the very end of the movie where we're 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 cutting mm-hmm. between um, you know the present, the past and then what, and then the liminal space between the two of those where you don't really, you know, like no one, no one knew about it. That just happened to be documented. It was just so, such a powerful close to a movie and it just reverberates, you know, you know, as you leave, you know, every sequence that you see um, just how important, you know, the small moments in life are and, and what triggers certain memories, how, you know and how and it gets recontextualized as we get older you know when you you know the older version of ourselves re, not re, revisiting me, you know memories and and realizing that space that maybe we didn't realize like you know just unearths a lot of things and so i found it to be like a movie that i think will um, reward repeat review, viewings um and it's just it's just a powerful you know small scale nuanced slice of life type of movie um, that I think, yeah, is is just extraordinarily crafted. So
0: again, another film that I think the the, tri- the editing is tremendous. Yeah. The editing plus cinematography really yeah. are kind of the, the
1: magic.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, feature debut of the year for me in a pretty big way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And
1: what's the actor's name? Pascal. Uh, uh, Paul. Paul Pascal. Yeah. Fantastic. His yeah. daughter's great too. But I mean, yeah, both of them. Um, great, great indie film.
0: Yeah. Girl recommends that's uh, After Sun. My number 3 film of the year we've already talked about so I'm not going to uh, spend too much time on it but Glass Onion and Time's Out Mystery. I I love Ryan Johnson. You can go listen to our review where I gush on him. I maybe I'm a Ryan Johnson fanboy. I mostly I just think he had I share a lot of sensibilities with him where he he clearly loves the he loves films, he loves genre, but he also likes to pick them apart and rebuild them in a way that is interesting and different and sort of sort of trying to push the audience in 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 certain unique ways and I think you know he's doing the same thing with uh, Agatha Christie novels with these uh, Knives Out movies. Glass Onion, I, I agree. I don't think it's quite as tight as Knives Out. I think Knives Out um, was a pretty lean movie, whereas this movie definitely indulges probably a little more than it needed to. It's like two hours and 20 minutes. I watched it the second time over the holiday weekend, and uh, I still loved it. I think it just validated how much of the movie, but I definitely felt the runtime a little more, sure. and I was able to see, mm, here's where we could have cut some things. Now, what I will say, though, is uh, the one thing we haven't hit on here, I'm not, uh, is just sort of the examination of wealth. I know you hinted at that. We're really focusing specifically on ultra wealthy billionaires in yes. this film, and in, and the way that this film looks at not just the billionaire character who totally conveniently happened to this movie just happened to come out like two weeks after after Elon Musk bought Twitter, even though Ryan Johnson had written the film in 2020 during the pandemic. Uh, it, it did it, it just felt like. I mean, it's not about Elon Musk, but, you know, just as we were sort of having this conversation about this guy seems like he's kind of dumb, actually. <laughs> and then this movie comes out and the whole thing that it's beautiful. And I think the thing I caught uh, watch more closely to the second time is uh, Benoit Blanc is convinced this whole time of the genius of uh, Miles. He's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, he's a smart guy, though. So he wouldn't do XYZ. And i Z. I'm not going to spoil where the film goes, but the movie is definitely examining, honing in on why. Why do what, what? What classifies these people as air quotes geniuses? Yeah. And whenever we put people on pedestals like that and we give them this much power, how do we as working class people react to them? And we we are able to look at that through various figures, uh, the the rest of the cast, uh, a politician, a fashion designer, a men's rights activist, uh, influencer on Twitch. You know, you get to see sort of how these people all they're essentially there to win his favor so they can benefit themselves. And I just, I wonder if part of like our, our obsession, I would probably globally to a certain extent, but especially in the United States, our obsession with the wealthy is because we're trying to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I love how it examines that and breaks it down. So I I found that to be a very timely an important idea to examine, but at, at the end of the day, like I said earlier, it's just a great time. It's rip rolling, great time. It's super funny. The cast is great. We've already, we've already hit all the uh, high points on that one, but uh that is my number three movie of the year. And I cannot wait to see what Ryan Johnson does next.
1: And he's doing what Kenneth Branagh is not doing well um with the It movies. So I think
0: absolutely. So, yeah,
1: those movies are okay.
0: They're okay. They're just, okay. They're, okay. Yeah. they're okay. Yeah, exactly. They're okay. All right. Our next special award is the movie you wish you'd seen on the big screen
2: award. Dalton Stewart. Caleb, this is a really tough one. There's a, there's a couple of heavy hitters here that I missed. Um, I don't want to steal your thunder, I think, because I think I know where you're going with this one. Um, so I'll say, I'll say I not I can't believe I'm going to say this. I really wish i had seen Michael Bay's Ambulance on an IMAX screen. That movie kicks ass. Dude, that movie does kick ass. Thank
0: <laughs> you for bringing it up. That movie is amazing. It is like if Michael if Michael Bay bought a
2: drone and gave the drone cocaine. That's, that's the, movie. <laughs> the, the the stuff they do with drone photography in that movie is so cool. Yes. Uh, it's just like really really inventive action filmmaking. It's it's not the best movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it is one of the coolest movies I saw this year without <laughs> it's not even close. It's oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's so cool. Hall is giving a deranged performance.
1: Well, man, what's up, man? Your flamingos just got here. What you been doing?
0: They came to the
2: office. No, they're supposed to be the Turks and Caicos property. She tried six tomorrow. I'm gonna get so much trouble, man. You have the elevator you have the bouncy castle. Tommy, the clown is already there. We've gone over this so many times. Blue paint, sprayer, flamingos. No, not the flamingos. Listen the blue paint comes with the spray gun just leave the flamencos alone they are two separate events uh yeah stellar. yeah Abdul-Mateen like uh, giving like this very grounded like uh kind of classical like Hollywood hero performance and, and the two of them playing off of each other is so fun uh, and again just the filmmaking really w- would have uh benefited from from the scale of of of, of that uh, theater setting especially because this had an IMAX release and I I think that would have looked really nice.
0: You know it's a, it's such a bummer about Michael Bay. He made all those Transformers movies but the thing is I actually He could have been doing this shit exactly. the whole time. Exactly. It's so good, it's so much fun and yeah, it's a Michael Bay movie but like once you know what you're in for and you know what his tics are, lean into him and it's so much fun. He calls out his own movie in this movie. Yes, he does. What
2: <laughs> you madman!
0: <laughs> My favorite scene. Uh, sorry, just because I haven't got to talk about this on a podcast this year is, and it's the most Michael. Well, one of the most Michael Bay scenes in a very, very, very Michael Bay movie is. There's the scene. There's a scene early in the movie when Jake Gyllenhaal is in an empty warehouse full of cars by himself on a cell phone. And there's like a drone flying around and cross-cutting, and it's just him in a warehouse, and he's trying to make it look as flashy and sexy as possible. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but it's incredible. It reminded me of
1: Hobbs and Shaw. Like, remember, they were just walking through whatever, and it's just – the drone is just – yeah, it's it's (laughs) awesome between them.
0: That's a great pick, Dalton. Thank you so much for bringing that up uh, (laughs) for both of us. Uh, LeBron Chapman.
1: Yes, uh, I actually saw most of everything I wanted to in theaters. But I'm—I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder, but RRR—I would have loved to have seen that in a—you in a, in a, yeah. know—in a crowded theater. Um, but yeah, I'm—I'm—I live at the theater, so there wasn't much I missed, you know, in, in in theaters. So even Glass Onion for the one week that it was here. So, um, but RRR is the one that I saw that I loved so much that I know would have benefited to see on a big screen with a large audience. Totally, so,
0: we will have our day,
1: LeBron. Yes, we'll, we will we'll have our day. Daniel Kemper,
3: Yeah, this was one that I, I caught at home and and while I was watching it, I was just like, man, what this would sound like to just be in utter darkness with just all of these explosions and these sounds going off from any, every direction. Um, and it was reaffirmed that this experience was something I missed too by a, a good trash media contributor and uh, occasional um, guest on the uh, podcast itself, Arthur Gordon. Oh,
0: that one.
2: Um, oh. <laughs> that, that one. <laughs> yes, yeah, that yeah, guy. Yeah, I should have known.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the movie in question is uh, the documentary Fire of Love uh, from Sarah Dosa. It's uh, beyond it just being a brilliant and tragic documentary about two uh, volcanologists. You also get some of the mo because of them and because of their work um, and, and really ultimately how uh, both both cr- courageous and crazy it was. Um, you get some of the most intense footage ever captured yeah. of volcanoes exploding, of lava right there, of walls 20 feet high of, of lava or magma or whatever. I don't know. I'm not a geologist. You're
2: not a volcanologist. I'm not
3: a volcanologist either, and <laughs> this movie reminds me why. Get with it, Dave. Um, I know. I know. I need to. I need to reach out of my comfort zone and just – Go up to a live volcano, um, but yeah, I just I just think there's something so mesmerizing about the the flowing lava and the exploding mountains and just the flames and the fire. But within all of that, just a very um, sincere love story about two people who happen to turn their passion into a career. And yeah, um, yeah, unfortunate. Not to I mean, it, it's something that happened a while ago, so I don't think I'm spoiling too much to to say that it uh, led to their demise. But it's, I don't know. It's just something I, I wanted to see that footage so bad in the big screen. And I don't know if I'll ever get the chance to at this point.
0: That's a great pick. That That is a, a notable blind spot. Uh, I've heard nothing but uh, amazing things about uh, this specific documentary. So great pick. I, my selection was RRR, but I'm going to, th- just because to shake it up. Uh, I Again, I've already talked about how I just think that would be an epic crowd pleaser. Weird, weird, the Al Yankovic story. I say this, Dalton, uh, I know you did not like this movie. It's fine. Why? It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I think this could have been a great, like, Fathom event style thing, <laughs> okay. because I, Lauren and I watched it with a group of friends who were big Weird Al fans. And, I'm sure that was lovely. Oh, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. So imagine, I'm just thinking if we put that... And, yeah. and times it by 12, like 12 times the number of people in a movie theater. Yeah. I think it would have been a really, really A plus.
1: Time. Yeah. It got a good, it got a good response from our, the group we saw it with. So, yeah. I think I might have liked the movie more because of how much they loved it. I, <laughs> you know? I, I, so. I guarantee if I'd watched it by
0: myself at home, I would have been like, eh, three stars. But because. I, gave it, I think I gave it four and a half stars just because – mostly for the experience because it yeah. was it was funny. But just the fact that everyone kind of fed off the jokes or got the yeah. visual gags because I know the Weird Al history, all that stuff just played so well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to throw that one out there just as a sort of a dark horse. All right. The movie that left you wanting more award is our next special award. I, I'm going to clarify on what I mean, and there's not really a wrong way to approach this. The Both of these approaches could work. The movie that left you wanting more could be you were so impressed you wanted more movie or more performance or fill in the blank. Or it could have been, I had such high expectations. I was left wanting more. Either way, the outcome is you wanted more of something. So what is the movie that left you wanting more Daniel Bo Kemper?
3: Yeah. So I'm going to go um, in the latter camp in, in a movie that I had very high expectations for, but left me desiring more. And that is uh, bones and all um, we've spoken about this a little bit. Um, I love the director's previous film, Call Me By Your Name, um, as well as the new Suspiria. But I, I think what works in in the director's favor um, is that tendency uh, to have somewhat underdeveloped characters. And I think in like Call Me By Your Name with uh, the character Oliver, he he's he's not like, I'm not gonna say he's an enigma because he's not, but he's he is a bit of a mystery. There is a bit of something sure. you leave. He's kind of a truncated character. And I think that works to the film's um, advantage. But here with the leads who, again... Performances are great. Cinematography is fantastic. Music is excellent. Um, and overall, the, for the most part, I think the story holds, but it seems to be missing something. It seems to be like I, I couldn't fully get behind either of the two protagonists as much as I, I wanted to. I just I just couldn't. And maybe that's possibly the point, but I can't help but think that maybe especially Timothy Chalamet's character, Lee, I think there was just something that was just missing that kept me from – being fully into it and, and, and enjoying these characters and watching their journey and watching the tragedy as much as I wanted to. Um, I don't know. There just wasn't, there was that, that connective tissue was just missing a little bit. There wasn't enough meat on the bones. There wasn't anything to sink my teeth uh-huh. into. There was, oh, no, you know, I can, it left me very hungry. And that's the, that's the
1: last one. <laughs> that is not what you want to feel about uh, a movie about cannibalism. No, <laughs> no, no,
3: no, no, I know. I know. I, I wanted to not eat for a while and um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it's still good. Like it's, it is good. I think it is a pretty good film. Um, it just, yeah, it just it was missing something. And again, it was a film that <laughs> I thought it was going to uh, 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 change my opinion about cannibalism. And I guess it <laughs>
0: <laughs> didn't win you over. Huh? It didn't win me <laughs> over. Yeah. Dang it. I know. There's still time. I know. There's more. Oh, uh, you get yeah, years ahead of you, Daniel. I mean, we, we saw uh, how old the Mark Ryland's character was. So you get time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Your
2: whole life to get into Vore.
0: Yeah.
4: Yes. yes. <laughs>
2: Dalton Stewart, what is the movie that left you wanting more? Sorry, fellas, I'm going to be a hater and say I don't think I like Ryan Johnson movies anymore. Uh, I, I didn't really care for Last Onion. Uh, I don't know. Here's here's a consideration. Both movies are about how the wrong people are rich, and I would say maybe we could just have no rich people. Is is a you know a world that I think is possible? No. No, well, I guess yes. Ryan Johnson doesn't, <laughs> Ryan Johnson doesn't seem to think so either. He does not. He seems to think that if Anna Day Armas and Geno Monet were rich, that everything would be fine. And I, I just, I think that the, the lacks imagination. I also don't know if this is a COVID movie or not. It's kind of a COVID movie, and then it's just not until you know it is until it doesn't want it to be anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it is until you get the magic spray in your throat. It, it,
3: it kind of yeah. MacGuffins COVID, away. Yeah, which they never sure, explain to you what it is.
2: Sure, fucking does. <laughs>
3: which a, is a funny bit. bit.
2: I, I think <laughs> that's bit.
0: that's the thing. They kind of try to wave, hand wave it with a comedy, which works for me. But I yeah. totally understand why. It would bother you? It doesn't work for me.
2: Uh, what was... I mean, what are other things about this that I don't love? Uh, Jared Leto's Kombucha. What are we doing here, people? Take another take another pass at that joke.
3: Uh, <laughs> I I, I've got one. Okay, so I've got something that, that is a, kind me. of a lingering reservation. Is I feel like at the end of the day, we talk about this a little bit on the podcast, but the film feels kind of like... Somewhat inconsequential, like with Knives yeah. Out, the original one, it felt like the the yeah. the result. It was like definitive. Whoa. There has been a paradigm shift, mm-hmm. and it's good. Mm-hmm. And, so, and her drinking out of that coffee mug, the, sure. the my house, my coffee, my rules, uh, or my rules, my coffee. That that ending scene was so sequenced. Whereas this, it not to spoil too much of anything, but it feels like justice wasn't really served. At least in the same way that Knives Out yeah. uh, I, had it. So
2: it's just it, just, she,
0: it depends on how much you. Yeah, it depends on how much you believe in a billionaire's ability to rebound from bad
2: things happening. Sure, sure, sure. I, it just feels too clever by half. You know, the doubling back on itself to be like, huh, surprise, we've been withholding information from you this entire time does not make you clever. That just makes you a cheater. Yeah. <laughs> does it doesn't make your mystery <laughs> I, more compelling.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one
2: because I tend. I, I get it. Yeah. I, get it. I don't know. I Look, I'm a, I'm a brickhead. Love it. I think one, one of the, the finest indie films that American uh, filmmakers have ever produced. Love Brick, uh, I think. I like Brother's Bloom Defender. I think The Last Jedi is maybe the best Star Wars movie. Depends on the day of the week. I just, I should have been into this movie. I didn't have a bad time. You know, like I said, I took the family to it. We had, we had a good laugh. I, I agree with that. Somebody talked about playing it, how it plays with the crowd. I It totally mm-hmm. hits with to the crowd. Really nice time. Um, but it just... I don't know. It's 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 a film that I I was extremely excited for, and it didn't quite hit for me.
0: It's kind of hollow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Um, It bums me out, but also I get it. (coughs) Yeah. Laron Chapman, what is the movie that left you wanting more?
1: Crimes of the Future by David Cronenberg. I love dating David Cronenberg. Like to the like like Videodrome. Like that's somebody that like I bleed you know that that director and i had such high hopes for this movie and i don't hate it i don't even dislike it i just was very cold on it the entire time i think the aesthetically it it it's great um i'm i'm all about the Kristen stewart whisper talking thing <laughs> fucking to...
2: weird mutters and pervert uh,
1: mutter... it's uh, creepy ugh. and strange and weird and like i don't know it it it's unnerving, but I'm like, well, it's compelling, I guess, because every time she talks, I'm like uncomfortable. <laughs> like, but um, there's just something like, by the time it was, it was done. It it did. It felt inconsequential. You know, it felt very like, like the world building was there, but the, the story just just didn't have any. There wasn't anything. They didn't have anything new to say. You know, yeah. and so that was just really disappointing coming from somebody that I know that is is pretty great in this field. You know, so. Um. Yeah, Crimes of the Future left me left me wanting a lot more than what I got.
2: A lot of questions that just like go unresolved in that movie, yeah. and it expects you to be okay with that. Yeah, I, I totally get what you mean. Yeah.
3: At the same time, it just feels, and this is me because I had very high expectations and considered that for this pick too. Um, and that it just felt a little bit rushed. Like if for some reason, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to get a David Cronenberg museum, and it's going to be awesome." And it it just it wasn't that. It was it was very. Again, it felt like almost Cronenberg light. It almost felt like Cronenberg, like somebody trying to make a Cronenberg film.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's Cronenberg. always a bad thing when yeah. it feels like a filmmaker's making a like parody version of a themselves. A little bit, like, like it. A, yeah. Well, you guys all went with a disappointment angle, so um, <laughs> I will say if I'm going to pick disappointment, we actually have a, another award dedicated to overall biggest disappointment of the year. Um, I will say in terms of things that left me wanting more from the disappointing angle, um, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and that movie, as we talked about in the podcast, had an impossible task, I think similar to some of the films uh, we discussed earlier. I actually think the ingredients t- for great, uh, really like once-in-a-generation great, introspective emotional movie was there and they got too distracted by all the marvel set up for the future it, it's like 30 minutes of just totally unnecessary mechanics for other properties spin-off shows and everything and it uh it really took away what i thought was a very strong start and a very strong end uh of the movie overall so I was left wanting more of the sort of homage to Chadwick Boseman. I was left wanting a little more um, of the emotional, like what is what impacts does this have on the Kingdom of Wakanda to his family in, in an immediate way? Uh, and again, it's not that that stuff isn't there necessarily. I wanted more of that and less of the "Hey, here's the Ironheart setup" or "Hey, here's uh, you know." Again, I like the character. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, I like Na- Namor or Namor. Uh, I like the great character, but it just felt like there was a lot of setup where we we could have. I, I would have rather focused on one thing. So left wanting more focus on that film. On the positive side, uh, movies that left me wanting more movie because I just loved it so much. Uh, Prey, the uh, the uh, Dan Trachtenberg's uh, prequel movie, Predator movie. Uh, man, we got to see. Uh, amber mid thunder just kill it in the lead i thought it reinvents uh it's both following the plot template of the original while also reinventing predator as a franchise and it really gets me excited for the possibilities we could either do a follow-up to this story or we could take this whole framework of like okay uh, we we did badass uh, and indigenous uh, warrior versus the, the the predator. Let's do it with a different setting. I mean, there's just so many possibilities creatively. I'm I'm really excited for what they do next with it. And it seemed like it uh, it was a huge hit on Hulu. Um, we don't know what the numbers are exactly, but I know uh, Disney touted how it was like one of the most streamed movies ever. Um, so I'm excited to see what they do with that next. Um, I'd also say <laughs> much to. Uh, Probably a lot of people's, chagrin. uh I really liked Avatar The Way of Water. It's a three-hour-plus movie. Mostly, it's, less that I, it's not that I wanted more from this movie. I just want the sequels. I'm actually excited, and I didn't think I would be, so that's a plus. I want more world. I also want a little more James Cameron turning things on its head. This movie kind of did it a little bit, the second one, but uh, I think we really need to go all in uh, on the third one. So those are the films that left me wanting more this year. Let's move on to round four, where we discuss our number two movie of 2022. Dalton Stewart, what is your number two pick?
2: My number two pick is the already mentioned Jordan Peele's Nope. Uh, A a film about spectacle, a film that is spectacle. Um, And I'll I'll just say this because I I, I think we've talked about a lot this evening, and I appreciate everything everybody said. But for me, it all comes back to Michael Wincott, one and only character actor that I love dearly, talking about that one eyed I'm purple people eater. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I just love it. I love this movie. I think it's so good. Every performance is absolutely calibrated. Uh, and the the photography on this, I mean, Hoyt Van Hoytemas uh, really shows up for Jordan Peele on this. It looks incredible. I'm really glad I got to see this in IMAX twice because it, it absolutely earns that that bigness. Yeah. Uh, big skies. Big horizons. Uh, big performances. And it's got the Akira slide. Come on. Yes. Yes. Slide. See? Yeah. Another <laughs> one People for the it. books. <sighs> yeah. What a movie. I just love uh, how much Jordan Peele is a like huge nerd. It's great. Man, it's doing so much. It, it really is doing more than anybody asked it to do. Uh, it's It's got so much on its mind. And I think it's like doing it in a really, int- like by engaging with sort of the disregard we have for animals. It's like really saying some interesting things about Hollywood and and Mm. movie making as a whole. I just, I I just think it's got so much on its mind. And every time I I revisit it or you can just think about it, I find myself like finding new stuff. Uh, Yeah. A movie that went from a four and a half to a five, pretty, pretty aggressively on repeat watch. Always a sign of a great movie when you're constantly thinking about it later.
0: LeBron Chapman, what is your number two movie of 2022?
1: Another movie that's already been mentioned. Um, is Tar? Um, in a world where my number one pick didn't exist, Tar would have been my number one pick. Um, but I will not spoil what that is. Um, but Tar, yeah, for me was one that I'm just I'm still unpacking even now. Yeah. Um, and I just I love Kate Blanchett so much. As much as I want Michelle Yeoh to win um, the award uh, for the Oscar this year, um, it might be Michelle's. I mean, it might be. Um, um, Kate Kate Blanchett's third Oscar, you know, and it would be deserving even still. Um, But it's such a powerful film and such a great film about, again, uh, cancel culture, power structure, um, ego, um, just it's a great deconstruction of that. And I think that's something that's really important and relevant right now with all the Kanye West's and Elon Musk's of the world. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think, uh, man, I'm so glad with this. I was bummed. It did not make my top five. It's barely teetering in my top 10, so I'm glad sure. it came up in this show. So yeah. uh, thanks to you and uh, Dalton for giving that uh, yeah. some well-deserved attention. Uh, and listeners, you should absolutely see this movie. It's, it's well worth your time. Daniel Kemper, what is your selection for number two? Man, I wish i have seen Tar. I wish I'd seen Tar. I'm <laughs> going to, I'm going to. Uh,
3: but in the meantime, my number two, um, it's Ty West's Pearl starring Mia Goth. Yeah, okay. I,
2: The world has ever known, so that I will make it far, far away from this place. Now,
1: well, caring for your family during these times is admirable, but you only get one take of this life.
4: If only they would just die. Pardon? Nothing.
3: <laughs> Henry, portrait of a serial killer in the red shoes, had a head-on collision, and Pearl was the bloody aftermath. Um, again, you cannot look at the way from this film. It's the second half of a rare treat—a double feature within the same year. The the well, technically prequel, but also follow up uh, to X, which isn't quite as good, but I still felt was compelling enough to get me very, very excited about Pearl. And and Pearl definitely uh, delivers and just completely it gets me excited about a franchise that I had literally no idea about um before twenty twenty two and I'm so excited for the the follow-up. I don't know if we'll get it in 2023, but Maxine, uh Triple X Maxine. Um but yeah it's it's just there's there's so many things going well with this film. It plays on the pandemic era, but it uses the Spanish flu as the analogous for that, which I think a lot of people forget. Um, it, it is quite similar to what we're dealing with now and in a different light but but still it, it plays on that that idea of just chasing the 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 fame dragon and wanting to be out of the 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 you know the doldrums you're stuck within for lack of a better term to be on your family's farm and to just want something better and the way it's shot it's just so bright and just so vivid and technicolor and 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 i i think also the there is a Mia Goth like cannot understate her performance in this film about
2: closing credits, uh, already and we'll talk about a closing. Oh yeah. Oh, amazing.
3: I, I have, um, messed with my friends a few too many times trying to recreate that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I also think a little bit before that there is a, it, it's technically, she's saying, speaking to another character, her sister-in-law, but, but, yeah. For all intents and purposes, she's it's a monologue. And there's just this – I think it's
1: like a – It's like – I think it, I've, got, I've heard seven and a half. I've heard nine. Minutes, eight, eight, yeah, like, I don't know.
3: A long one, a long single tape, but just so compelling what and so moving. Yes, it's the best
0: monologue of the year, Barnett.
3: Right, yeah. yes, and it captures so much. And I think that alone just like elevated that film. And it was one that I went back and I came back and I'm like, I think I liked it. But then I just wake, wake up the next day and it's – even more, it's just in my brain about how many, how much that film has accomplished, and and again, I can't say enough. And I'm so excited. I hope Mia Goth gets all the accolades she gets. Even if she does not get it for Pearl, I think this is the film where people are going to be like, oh, wait, we we watch this you. monologue. Yes, yes, <laughs> this is what you need if you're going to let. Um, oh, what is it? I'm thinking of. She wasn't the star of the film, but she won an Oscar for it. Um, why can? Why am I drawing a blank on her name? Uh, Le Mis. Yeah. Um Anna Hathaway. Oh, Anna Hathaway. Anna Hathaway. Yeah. yeah, winning for that. I think I think I mean that was a strong performance, but like mm-hmm. I think Mia Goth's accomplished even more with her her monologue in, in this yeah. film than that did. um so I think if we're going to acknowledge that, you need to we need to give some uh recognition to Mia Goth. But again, I very excited, very great film. Happily will place it at my number two. I I feel like Tar, what you've described to me not seeing this film is definitely a film that could mix up some things had I seen it, but I, uh, I still feel very, 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 very strongly about Pearl's placement here.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great film, great per- top-notch performance, and it does uh, – yeah, we, we're getting a part three before too long. and uh, It's
1: Douglas Cirque Douglas if he did a – you know a horror film mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. it yeah. feels that way like see, it feels is like,
0: it is it a horror film though like that's, that's the thing true. It, it, i love it cuz it well it's another genre bending thing yeah. it's got horror elements yeah. and especially coming off extra thing oh it's a horror movie but it really is more like a drama that just happens it, to have some of those elements in there it yeah. feels like
1: an old 20s 30s like like you said just melodrama that mm-hmm. just goes really dark towards the end yes. <laughs> So, um but yeah mia goff my god yeah she was great next too i mean i i yeah. thought she was great in that even even though I prefer Pearl to X, but
2: yeah. Likewise. It's kind of unreal how much better Pearl is than X. It, <laughs>
3: For yeah. me. At first I liked them both, but the more I think about it, it was like kind of after our podcast and we talked about it. I'm just like, yeah, it,
2: it really damn
3: it's night and day. I'm
2: going to go home and rent Pearl. I think <laughs> <laughs> Pearl's is a <laughs> lot more memorable. Watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. Do it.
0: All right. My number two movie is the intersection of a lot of things I like and a very interesting uh Time of my life uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio I want to tell you a story It's a story you may think you know But
3: <laughs>
2: you don't Over there What is that? Papa! It speaks. He's just a puppet No I'm not I'm a real boy
4: People are sometimes afraid of things they don't know.
2: I don't understand. It's
0: a Del Toro film, number one. I just I love his sort of love for the unloved, so to speak. We've seen him I mean, this has built a career out of this. Um it's Stop Motion, which I I again just it's it's I, <laughs> I was I would have said it was a lost art if we hadn't gotten so many great stop motion films in the last two years. And this uh, is three really this year alone. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. It's um it's been a really, really great year for stop-motion animation. I think this one's oh, the best. Oh, shit, four. I forgot Wendelin Wild. Wendelin Wild. Oh, yeah. Wendelin Wild, yeah. Oh, man, four. One year. Yeah. And and uh, it's a year without a Leica film. And usually Leica's been the one that's been carrying the, yeah. the torch of stop-motion for years. Uh, so it's really great to see that, again, if Netflix is going to slowly uh, dismantle the things uh, that are – keeping the institution of Hollywood together. At least they're giving us uh, a tour driven passion projects like del Toro's Pinocchio. He'd been trying to get this movie made since 2008. At least that's when he was first on the record saying he wanted to make the movie. I, I, I love it for a couple of reasons. Um, let's say, uh, number one for years, as long as Disney especially has been doing these like remakes of their animated classics. I've been saying like, I'm not against us doing more versions of these things. But if we're going to do them, you really need to reinvent and justify why we're revisiting it. Because if yeah. you're just watching a movie and it's a lesser version of the ver, uh, of the the, the the most popular version out there, the Robert
1: should... Zemeckis version, the same year. Oh yeah, same oh, year.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, that makes me so mad. I sh- I swear Disney's like Netflix making a Pinocchio and they they rush that thing I, and also the animation that is terrible. Anyway, side project. Yes, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, not to be confused with the Robert Zemeckis Disney Plus Pinocchio, which is terrible. Um, but no, it, it's, it's so, I, I, love that this is a fresh take that goes as much closer to the, uh, the original sort of like, uh, I guess, uh, dark fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that he sets it against the backdrop of fascist Italy. Um, he's able to sort of use that framing to explore, uh, the relationship between a father and a son in a society that is very, uh, unforgiving of people who don't conform. I also just think the larger themes of appreciating uh, the value of life and the relationships we have with our parents and children was uh, – yeah, it was really, really moving. Um, it just really spoke to me this year and I think you get to the end of the movie without spoiling it. it it's it's definitely a bittersweet ending. It's probably honestly not a, a family movie. I probably recommend it for more like young adult audiences and adults like 12 and up. Um, cause it's a really dark, sad story that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't fall in line with any of the Disney, most of the Disney tropes. Um, and, uh, it, it just sort of ends kind of as a reminder that life is finite and the the best thing we can do is appreciate the loved ones we have in our lives and, uh, never take them for granted and appreciate what makes those relationships unique, um, and I, yeah, I don't have much more to say about it. It's an outstanding film. I, I loved it. Uh, maybe the musical numbers aren't as strong as you might like. I think I've heard that criticism. And I think it's fair. Um, but just the, everything from the animation to the voice performances, to the direction, to the attention to detail, um, just to the really rich themes they're 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 implementing in a story that a lot of people know really well already um, really stuck out to me this year. So my number two is Gilman del, Tor- uh, del Toro's Pinocchio, now streaming on Netflix. So... That brings us to our next special award, which is the biggest appointment, uh, disappointment of 2022 award. Laurent Chabin, we'll start
1: with you. Babylon. Mm. Um, I love Davy and Giselle so much. I had such high hopes for this movie. Um, again, I think a lot of it is great. Um, but enough of it is not that, um, that it definitely brought my review down to leaning towards the negative. So Babylon – still i think worth seeing for a lot of mixed reasons but uh for the most part was the biggest disappointment giving all the hype i had for it in my own head from his previous
0: work yeah that one was a bummer even if and i think the thing that makes it most uh, the hardest to swallow is that there's like so much good yeah, as there's we, so much as, good in as we've already
1: discussed i wish it was just yeah. a complete disaster so i could just disregard it altogether but the mm. fact that so much is good about it it's disappointing that two hours of it is not two yeah. hours of the three hours is not yeah yeah agreed Dalton Stewart.
2: (sighs) I'm going to be a hater. It's time for me to put on my hater hat. Do it. Uh, it. I don't know. Should be much more excited about a year with the Sam Raimi movie. Yeah. P.U. Stinky. That's what I say about Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Yeah. P.U. Uh, You know, it's cool when they let Sam do Sam stuff. You know, he, he, he has fun a couple of times in there. The second half, the, the, specifically the last act
0: kind of goes full <laughs> Raimi.
2: I will. The last act has got some fun stuff with, with the zombie. Uh, yeah. but I, I, f- I feel like there's some moments in like the second act where, uh, uh, I don't know who cares about spoiling a Marvel movie. You saw it in theaters. If you give a shit about <laughs> this dumb movie. Uh, when, when Scarlet Witch is like merking people, uh, at, uh, Commertaj and oh, yeah. the other universe, like that it, was it was definitely cool. goes Sam Raimi a couple of times with yeah. some of the camera work Uh, Some real clever use of mirrors and, 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 you know, some body contortion stuff. I don't know. There are things to like here. Uh, Definitely the things that I like about Sam Raimi are on display occasionally. But this movie ain't it. And I, you know, if if Sam was going to come out of retirement, I really wish it was for something else. Yeah, don't. I just don't
3: trust when Disney's like, oh, we got this really (laughs) big director. We're going to put on a, a Marvel film and it's like, oh, and we're going to give them, un. I keep hearing sometimes, I hear it with like Taika Waititi, but I heard it was Sam Raimi. It was yeah. like, we gave them unlimited creative control. And I'm like, no. Sure you did. Yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah no, you was, gave them. a producer him, yeah, that's screaming this in beat, his ear. Hit
1: this beat and hit this beat. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah. Unlimited creative control. That's the. All these yeah. cameos. As long yeah. as you
2: can make it work with everything we have pre yes, yes, The <laughs> producer will be screaming <laughs> yeah. at you in your ear. Well,
0: and that movie came together really, really fast. Mm-hmm. I, so one thing I heard, I gosh, I need to find the interview. Kevin Feige had said way earlier this year was that he would... And I think this is the point the MCU is at. They they can only afford to get, like, the biggest director. Like, because that's the thing. They keep upping the ante. There's really only so many more places they can go. Sure. Like, genuinely. And so it's like, okay, well, Waiting we for get...
1: for David Finchers.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> mean, at this point, He'll though... He'll never do it, but... I, I, no. you, you say yeah. that, I... Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, it's just... That's where we're at, though. Like, yeah. it, and, and whenever you... Yeah, Dalton, I was very disappointed. It, especially whenever... Literally three weeks before this, we got uh, everything everywhere all at once, which went full multiverse shenanigans. So not only did we get a very lame multiverse movie, we also got a super lame Sam Raimi movie. So the two elements that it had working in its favor for me totally missed the boat.
2: Yeah, I you know, this is a movie that I walked out of like, okay, well, you know, it was a movie I kind of saw on a whim. I had didn't plan my day around it. Just, you know, the wife and I had some extra time to kill. So we're like, hey, let's go see a movie. We both kind of like the do- first Doctor Strange, all right? We saw in theaters together, yeah. so yeah, let's go check it out. Nah, man, I it just no, it's it's a pass for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, which is funny because I think that was actually the biggest. I think that's yeah, it's the highest grossing Marvel movie. I don't think Black Panther's caught up to it yet. So really, yeah, that's it's pretty close. Cool. I think Black Panther's going to pass it by the time it's done with the sure, theatrical run. Sure, but, uh, yeah, I think it actually has the biggest opening. I'm going to verify this, but I'm pretty sure last I read it had the biggest opening weekend of the year. I'm not mistaken. Multiverse of Madness did. Mm-hmm. That's why. At, at the box office, like, yeah. They wow. should put
3: David Lynch on the next one. Could you imagine? It's like ten minutes of a, of an asteroid just floating in space and just this <laughs> haunting music. And they're like, David, can we cut the music? Who gives a fuck how long my scene is? <laughs> it's art. Like just. <laughs> and
1: and then what? He, and then he just
3: yeah. abandons his name. It's Daniel, like Daniel. You know what? Yeah. Pretty good Lynch. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I've been where I I have
0: been working on it. <laughs> but. Well, Daniel, speaking of David Lynch, I'm sure David Lynch was not involved in your biggest disappointment of 2022. No, what he, was your film?
3: He was not. Um, yeah, so there was a few. It was, it was kind of hard because there was a few. I mentioned men earlier, and that was when I was thinking of just because I wanted so much more out of Garland um, in that. And then I also think with the, the Ramy film, Multiverse of Madness, I was considering it just because, again, love for Sam Ramy. but. That was not. That was a bit of an abomination, um, if I'm being real. And then Don't Worry, Darling and Halloween Ends. Those are films I wanted to see succeed, and, and they, they really did not. Um, but they were not my biggest disappointment. Uh, my biggest disappointment was one I uh, just caught on Christmas Eve, which is Avatar Way of Water.
4: Why do you come to us? I just want to keep my family safe Treat them as our brothers and sisters Teach them our ways Keep up for us, boy
0: If you want to live here You have to ride
4: Let's do it
2: Just breathe. Breathe.
3: It is visually stunning, and it is doing something on a technical level that's really cool. But for a film that took 13 years to make, I wish the script felt like it took more than 12 days to write. Because it's just like, it just feels, yes, I get tropes are what Cameron does best. And I guess that it's like a bit of fun for the whole family. And and I think there's this balance, you know, of, you hear it all the time between showing and telling. But like with, with James Cameron, he just can't show and tell you. It's like show and then tell and then tell and then tell and then tell you one more time and then maybe show you a little bit. But then we're just going to tell you everything like verbatim to the point where I'm like, feel like I'm getting tucked down to a little bit. And I I don't like to be (laughs) insulted by a film like that. And again, just so much bloat to it. It has just like, there's probably like 50 minutes of that movie that just feels downright unnecessary. And I, I think it's weird. Like the, the effect I've been thinking about it, For a little bit, and I think part of it, and there are things, there are sequences I like in this film. It's good, but Laron, in your review uh, on Facebook, I believe of this, you you mentioned that it's probably going to be about as memorable as the first one. Ultimately, it's going to be acknowledged and lauded, I think, very briefly for the technical achievement, but like nothing beyond that gives it any. It doesn't have any sustain. I think I almost think I do think it might be better than the first Avatar, but again, it's really hard for me to choose. You
0: can be mad about that, but James Cameron knows how to sell tickets. And that's he a, does. That's
3: he does. Really and the, I'm not saying this film is going to be, its ma- it already is massively successful. Well, you know, you know
0: what's funny about this movie is yeah. the the uh, people are determined to write the second movie as a failure, even though it's critically been generally well-received and it's making hand over fist money. And yeah. people
2: keep saying, I see, I see. I see you, Dan. <laughs> We're not getting to five. I'm I'm saying it right now. We're getting to four. we we'll get we'll get to three. Of course. Well, the no, three is basically in the can. But th- I don't think three is going to do it. I think they've got an off ramp for three. Is what I've heard. Right. Like yeah. That they've they've got the option to close it out at three movies. Maybe. I don't think they're going to make enough money, dude. I just this is already not tracking. This isn't tracking to have the legs the first one had. Ah. I- it's, Are you I don't know man it is tracking pretty well and now it's down it, 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 from second weekend which it, it, is the first one was up from second Yeah yeah weekend, but this also know? had a
0: much larger for uh, That's true. and the drop uh, the 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 parallel they're comparing it to is uh, Rogue 1 mm-hmm.
2: uh, it's not doing the numbers they wanted it to do in China cuz they still yeah. take covid seriously <laughs> Yeah yeah nah yeah for real
0: it's not going to make as much money as Avatar 1 but I don't think it needs to I just think it needs to make Anywhere from $1.5 to $2 billion. And I think it will make that.
2: And I think the third one needs to do it, too. And I That's, can't. Yeah,
0: the third one no is. no way. Dude. Yeah.
2: The third one's going to be a tough sell. We'll
0: see you in 10 years. Daniel, you were perfectly allowed to not like the movie. Uh, <laughs> I you. am the one person here who really likes it. But, like, it also has tons of flaws. And, like, it's all about whether you vibe with it, what it's doing. It, I also think it has a very important environmental message that a lot of people decide not yeah. to talk about.
3: It is a hell of an experience to see some of that stuff in IMAX,
1: 3D. It does work at parts, but I just that's not enough to. And I think if there was a hierarchy here of of reception for it, I think you're at the top. I think I'm right behind you. Then I think it's I think I think it's Dalton, and then I think you're right at the bottom. Probably
2: with it. that sounds about right. I don't know. Like the fact that I'm most connecting to the villains of the film is not a good sign. Well, yeah. no, I, I think that I, I, <laughs> I do think that's by design. Are you talking about? Oh, are you are talking about Corage? I'm talking about Corage, baby. Yeah. I want him to kill everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them all. <laughs> Let's go. I mean. I don't know. I'm I'm being facetious a little bit. We're gonna move on. <laughs>
0: I'm just gonna say right now, my most disappointing of the year was Men. I'm gonna leave it there. We've already talked about it. Uh, it was not the best Alex Garland film. Why do you hate Men? Compared yeah. to every other Alex Garland project, it feels incomplete yeah. and kind of hollow. I agree. Not a bad. Not I again. Not terrible, but not not great. Um, just as a, just just an overall disappointment. Let's get on to the Babu Frick Memorial Award.
4: Who's that flyer? Take a guess, Spice Runner.
0: This one was also suggested by Dalton. So Babu Frick, for those of you who do not know the legendary Babu Frick, he is the one redeeming trait of Rise of Skywalker. He is the cute little puppet guy who shows up three or four times and he steals the scene. This award is designed to be given to the performer or character or director, so have you, that was very, very memorable and stuck out uh, against perhaps not a very great project. So Dalton, since you
2: named this award, who would you give it out to? Well, this isn't a project that I like quite a bit, uh, but the, the scene stealer for me is year number five. It's uh, the menu, but it's Hong Cho, uh, Hong Chao. Uh, She's so dude. As soon as they get off the boat and she shows up, that the movie like clicks into place for me. She is just the embodiment of every like serious front of house person in, in such a real way that it's it's just like oh oh no she 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 talked to some people to, to become this character like she this is this is so <laughs> real uh and just like such a uh it's operating at so many levels so she's doing funny she's doing menace i think she's just getting to do so much in that role and it's it's such a fun meaty role for her uh it, it, they, again like you mentioned ray fines in your review and you know obviously the yes chef stuff is kind of undeniable but i really think what she's got going on and sort of the the second tier of of Characters with a little less screen time in that movie. I just, I love it. I love everything she's doing.
0: Every time she says, enjoy, you're mm-hmm. just like, she's just saying, F you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> incredible. So, it's so good.
2: Uh, yeah, so many levels to everything she says in that
0: movie. Hong Chao, she gets our our first round from Dalton Stewart, our our first annual Babu Frick Memorial Award. LaRon Chapman.
1: Uh, very funny. Uh, Hung Chao is also my choice, but not for the menu, for the whale. Oh, okay. Um, I think... Um, you know, to have Brendan Fraser being so large, no, not not meaning that intentionally, but in that film, his presence his is his presence uh, is so large in that large. film he's going for it. you know what I mean? Like to have another character in there that stands out, mm-hmm. you know, that is so strong and is like matching him scene to scene um emotionally. Um, for me, yeah, she 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 was a, a huge scene stealer in that. I expected Brendan Fraser to be great just from everything that everything was said, and he didn't hit the mark there for me. But I think the surprise was that Hung Chao was also very good in it. So. Hung Chao, great selection.
0: Uh, I, again, I, her and Colin Farrell, man, just killer year. Killer great year. year. Mm. Daniel Bo Kemper, who would you give the Babu Frick Memorial Award? It, it might be obvious by this point.
3: But I uh, – and again, this is a film that – he appears in a film that itself is not bad, but it was a film that was kind of still good, good, but not not to that next level. But just his presence alone for all of two minutes just I felt like <laughs> elevated the film and just ends on such a high note. And of course, I'm I'm referring to David Lynch and the Fablemans. I don't want to speak too much about his small cameo, but it's amazing. It is incredible. Um, it is absolutely a scene stealer. And it's it's just it it does so much with so little. and I can't even imagine how much it took like I feel like there had to be quite a bit of convincing to get <laughs> David Lynch to appear in this role despite I mean, it being a Spielberg film. but I I so yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's like impossible or unheard of, but it, it it definitely caught me off guard when I saw it and I was I was so satisfied with it. and I don't want to say too much about um, his, his specific performance because I risk spoiling the film itself. But, um, it, David Lynch and the Fablemans definitely, I feel like just sent that, that film up a notch for me right at the very end when I least expected it.
0: Yeah. If you ever question whether Spielberg was capable of great comedy. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause I think a lot of people think he's overly sentimental and whatnot. And yeah. a lot of his movies, no, he still got it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am. Yeah. Hung Chow, uh, for the menu is also my pick here, but I, am going to list off a few other words that I really, really enjoyed. Colin Farrell in the Batman specifically. Mm, yeah. Um, he doesn't, mm. he's a, he actually is a genuine supporting character. He's not, he doesn't have a ton of screen time, but man, he it's owns great. the scene. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in ambulance was actually one of my picks. He is chewing the scenery. He's hamming it up and it either works for you
2: or it doesn't. A lot I, of mustard on the sandwich. Oh, I mean,
1: so much mustard. Wish I love that movie. Like you guys did. or, <laughs> or appreciate that. Movie like you guys did. I just, it's, it was the shortest review I've ever written on Facebook. You know, I write three paragraph yeah. reviews. It was like, well, that was a Michael Bay movie. That was my review. <laughs> and that was the whole review. That
0: is an accurate review. And, and like, I just, you're either into it or you're not. I and that's couldn't. okay. And I thought, I, I will say for the record, I actually thought I was going to hate that movie going in because I hated the trailer. Yeah. sure. Anyway. Uh, lastly, shout out to Russell Crowe. And Thor: Love and Thunder, not a, a, uh, movie, yeah. a movie I thought was just all right. Like I, I liked things about it, wasn't overly impressed, but it also wasn't bad. But Russell Crowe shows up for a couple of scenes. He's, he's showing that scenery crazy. up. He's got an accent that I it's will never goes. forget. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's amazing. I'll, I'll keep watching it. All right, this brings us to our final round. Only coming in at three hours, gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> what is your number one movie of twenty twenty two, and why, Lauren Chapman?
1: Uh, my number one movie of 2022 is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Um, I feel like it's that little indie movie that could, that I saw at South by Southwest. Um, it just, you know, it was great energy in the crowd. Um, the Daniels, um, you know, they made uh, what was the one Swiss Army Man mm-hmm. um, that I, I, I don't love as much as a lot of people do. Um, I appreciate the craftsmanship of it, but this was this was the one that finally got me on board with them where I finally understood their weird, quirky sensibilities. Um, But a movie that involves hot dog fingers, um, butt plugs, you know, uh, spoilers, I guess. But, you know, um, you know, and then still is so relatable and still so human and still so heartbreaking um, so to have the string, all those weird, absurd things together in the same kaleidoscope of a movie, um, and have it come out and be this, you know, really just brilliant, you know, zany over the top, you know, I don't even know how you categorize it. You know, is it a comedy Is it an action movie? Is it all of it? You know, so it's everything everywhere all at once. And, um, and I loved it.
0: Yeah. Taking big
2: swings. Dalton Stewart, what is your number one movie? My year? number one with a bullet, and it's not even fucking close as everything, everywhere, all at once. Hang on, yeah. It, did it did we
0: all pick everything, everywhere, all at once? No.
2: What's it's happening? happening? Devil, I'm not your husband.
0: I'm
1: another version of I'm from another universe. I'm here because we need your help.
0: Very busy today. No time to help you across the multiverse. In thousands of Evelyns. You can access all of their memories, their emotions, even the
1: skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you. may be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you.
2: I don't think I can say it any better than LaRon did. It's doing so much, and it's doing it all incredibly well. Uh, It just makes me want to give everybody I care about a big hug. Yes. I think it's a great movie. Absolutely. Uh, I I can't say enough nice things about it. If you haven't caught up with it, I cannot more strongly urge you to do that right now. It's a blind buy. Not a blind rent. It's a blind buy. Being a Daniel, I am contractually
3: obligated to celebrate uh, the Daniels' films. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, is my number one. And again, it is similarly not even close. I I, I will agree with you, and you all are absolutely correct um, with what you say. I do want to point out Michelle Yeoh, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Keanu Quan, um, mm-hmm. and his, um, but also Jamie Lee Curtis, just stellar performance. Yeah, every- Jenny Slate, Jenny Slate's in it. Stephanie and it, Sue in two Stephanie roles. Stephanie Sue, yeah. yeah, yes, yes, and it's. It's just all so good. They made um,
0: us cry at two rocks with googly eyes looking out at the cliff. But
3: they, they cried did.
1: hard too. Like I was uh, not crying. It was like so, it was
3: you know. just sensory overload. And just seeing it with someone, and just seeing, and just like like seeing it in theaters. I saw it with Caleb, but um, an, another friend of the show, Harold story, was right next to me, and just the. The camaraderie and the 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 closeness and just, just the, the 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 intimacy of watching that film and just laughing our asses off, but also crying at the same time and just feeling so pulled. And I and I think out of all of those things, um, because man, this film is so much fantastic, I cannot rave about it enough. And I think it deserves all the acclaim it's getting, I do to some extent get there's I have heard some criticisms about it, saying, you know, it's sensory overload, saying it's maybe so sentimental and almost um Desensitizes people a little bit to it, like it's overly sappy. I, I, I don't. Uh, I, I like the sappiness. I will say, maybe with like a film like The Whale, maybe that's a film that kind of like almost made me a little emotionally fatigued. It does not, not to be for everybody. No, it doesn't. But, but, but I get it. I just want to say, I, I hear the criticisms, and I don't think somebody who doesn't just think this film is the greatest thing. Yeah,
2: I'm not one. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not trying to like tar and feather anybody who doesn't like this movie and no. there's kind of a weird contingent of like being mean to people who don't like this movie right. yeah like, and, and it's it, not who does that serve it, it's, it's also a movie there's like a lot those.
0: of people i respect that have issues with it some of them with runtime some of them with the sentimentality some people can't keep up with the editing i think it's definitely tailored to a younger audience with that in mind like sure. yeah um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work for you right yeah. and and i think what
3: this film instills and you could say this a lot about it. you could say this about avatar way of the water if you want to um but I think what this film did for me and what it just kept me taking away, what keeps me think is is a little bit of just idealism and a little slice of inspiration. I just think like no matter how big and dumb, potentially stupid your dreams are, especially in in, in regard to like the stories we want to tell and the stories we feel compelled to tell as artists, I think they both have – justification to exist if your heart's in the right place. And I think they have justification to exist in the biggest way possible for the most people to enjoy. I I think it, it in film, this film helps people dream. And a lot of films do that films as a whole can help us do that. But I think this one just, just really captures that and celebrates it and then make sure that regardless of how fantastical your dreams get and how wild your imagination can be, it can still be about very, very, very real things. And it just, Again, it just gives me hope.
2: That, well, and like, even if you fail at all those things, exactly. that doesn't mean that you are a failure. And even right. if you are a failure, that might lead you to something that you didn't know you were looking for. Exactly. Yeah. And this film ran.
3: I, I feel like one thing I kept thinking about when I watched this film was thinking about a documentary I didn't know about until a few years ago. Joe Doroski's Dune. Yeah, about sure. The original Dune that never existed. And that is a film about such such a wild assassination and such a grand vision that we just simply were not ready for. Um, and it never existed beyond a concept book. And I think this film is in a way that, but manifest. And I don't know. It's just something I, I find myself. It's weird I, that it even exists. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, I
1: think about it in the construction of it. I'm like, who, how did you conceive the idea of this? Well, that's what, yeah. so what's great
0: about it is it's so wildly ambitious and creative and it, it, it throws so many things at the wall that all somehow the thing they have in common is the heart and the themes. The this, yeah. the movie is really a, a, th- a very broad thematic yeah. story. Yeah. Tie, it makes sense. But of all the these chaos, things you know? yeah. tie together through those themes. It's really powerful and, and really brilliant. Yeah. And it shouldn't work. Yeah. But it does. No.
1: It does. It works really well.
0: Uh I don't have anything else to add other than this movie when I saw it, I was like, this is my number one movie of the year.
1: Yeah, it's just weird too. It's one of those things where it's like it's like, it's like parasite it's that you're. Yeah, like, I yeah. Just,
0: it was. I, I was like, this is number one, and eh, nothing's even close. I'm just gonna. W- <laughs> something eventually is gonna catch it. Yeah, yeah.
2: I thought I, I was so sure. I was like, okay, maybe it's tar. And when I went to see tar a second time, I was like, ooh, this character's like totally screenplay invention and doesn't exist in the real world. This section's a little long in the yeah. tooth. Like every time, I kept thinking something was gonna overtake it. It just like yeah, it just no. it's been number one since March.
1: Yep. And it, again, yeah. and again, not even close. The, the snobby part of me as a filmmaker wants to say, everyone loves this, so I can't make this my number one. <laughs> yeah. I, that's well, that's you know, why I but, but it yeah. truly is the yeah. best movie I've seen this well, year. So. I,
0: and again, I want to. I know we had a lot of cynicism at the top of this podcast about the state of Hollywood, but this movie. Like it was the it was the Cinderella story at the box office every yeah. single week. It stayed number it's one.
1: Twenty four is most successful. I, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, one hundred and three million dollars
0: worldwide against a budget of anywhere from fourteen to twenty five million. In the U.S., it was in the top ten at the box office for, for sixteen consecutive weekends.
1: You can invest Non-MP. in non IP original content, yep. indie filmmakers. It will make money. Just give it a chance. Yeah, they, they don't. They, they don't, don't have invest. to be. Top Gun, even though I love
0: it. <laughs> well, that's that's my whole argument uh, tying into some podcasts we had related to Avatar, and I'm, I'm, I will wrap it up because we've been going for a long time. But the thing that's dangerous about the way studios operate and the way that a lot of the technology and marketing tools they have available to them operate is they only know how to work off of the data they have. They yeah. don't have the data they don't have. So you don't know – what's possible without taking big risks and big swings. It's like, yeah, you know, this Marvel film is going to make at least 600 million, but you know, maybe you do a James Cameron the avatar and it makes almost $3 billion. And so this is the biggest, one of the biggest cases I've seen in a long time where it's like, this movie got put out there based off of, I guess, Michelle Yeoh. Like it's, it's crazy. And, and I think, I hope that we can get more creatives that are motivated and inspired by this and more executives who look at this and say, yeah, we need to take some bigger swings sometime, from time to time. All that said, gentlemen, we've been going for a long time. I'm just going to throw out there really very quickly, if we could do a summation. Uh, my last two awards are the Never Bet Against James Cameron Award. Uh, as the joke goes about Big Jim, it's that uh, he has two of the of the highest grossing movies of all time, Titanic and Avatar, both of which people were saying would fail. So I'm just going to throw out there. I already said I already read you some box office numbers. My pick here actually was not James Cameron's Avatar. It's everything everywhere All at once. It's a Cinderella story. It's great. Uh, it's going against the odds creatively, financially. Uh, it succeeded. Daniel Bo
3: I didn't like this movie that much, but uh, uh, Damien Leone's Terrifier two like somehow just had a another one yeah. really good box office success despite being made for five hundred thousand dollars. I think it grossed like over ten million. I think it was like twelve yen on a very very limited theater run. Again, it. The horror,
2: the horror nuts will come out, man. Yeah,
3: they will. And the gore hounds as they, well. They don't. brought me out. Yeah,
2: and if you solid. market it as the sickest shit you've ever seen, people yeah. will show up. Like pretty I close. said, it's
3: I, pretty close. It is. I I don't uh I don't feel good about it. And yeah. again, I don't <laughs> want to like say it's good, but like I did not expect uh something that seemed like a, a basically what I thought was had to have been a shutter original is actually, you know, a a fairly successful film. So hats off to Damien Leone, I guess, for Terrifier 2.
0: LeBron Chapman, what is your Never Bet Against James Cameron Award?
1: Um, my Never Bet Against James Cameron Award is uh, a movie that came out in January on my birthday. Uh, you uh, were at my birthday um, for it uh, for Scream 5. I felt like um, that's a movie that should not have done well this year. It is the fifth installment to a long-running franchise. The fourth one tapered off and proved that... There wasn't a huge interest in this franchise anymore, but the fifth one somehow added this resurgence to the franchise. And now they're already starting another trilogy. The next one already comes out, you know, next year, early next year, hoping it's good. It's in New York. I'm excited. It's a new environment. Ghost face on a, you know, in the subway station that, that, that just speaks to my soul. Um, So yeah, scream five is the one that I didn't expect to do very well. and, And surprisingly did. And, and show that there is, a way to do these movies again.
0: Dalton Stewart, what is your pick for the never bet against big Jim award? I
2: truly cannot believe that David Leach's bullet train limped to a hundred million dollars <laughs> domestic and 200 million worldwide. It beat it to 200 million worldwide. <laughs> yeah, baby. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. They, they limped right along. People like this movie. I'm in another, I'm in a discord server where people are starting to catch up with this it's one on fun. Netflix and people like it. I, I don't know. I don't think it's very good. Uh, I, I Go watch Smoke and Aces. This movie are, has already existed like a dozen times. <laughs> uh, Bullet Train is is fine. It's, it's, it's
3: how fine. does it hold up to John Wick? Any
2: of them? Not even, oh, not not even, even close, close. Okay. dude. That's what yeah. I thought. No. I could that, tell it
3: was trying no. really hard. No, Leech. it Leech actually is, not, is it
2: not. That's what I got from the marketing. Leech is just not. Uh, of Stahelski and Leech, the two who c- collaborate on John Wick 1, he's just not. Uh, you know, he's making more interesting movies as far as like trying to do original stuff, you know, Atomic Blonde and this, you know, as far as Stahelski's just staying in the John Wick groove. But like, I get why Stahelski's just a better storyteller, a better visual storyteller. He just knows where to put the camera when it comes to like shooting action.
0: That was the biggest weakness of uh, boytrain Train was uh, the, the trappings of the fun genre stuff were all there and the char- over the top characters, but the action which they is not even close.
2: They didn't make Brad Pitt learn jujitsu. <laughs> that's, that's half the job right there yeah. you gotta make your lead actor learn how to fight mm-hmm. that said
0: as predicted Dalton I have in fact turned that movie on twice and fallen asleep to it So it's, train. It's, it's the perfect turn it on for 15 minutes and fall asleep over three different nights movie it's great Beautiful. <laughs> uh, alright last but certainly not least special award the blind spot of the year award Leron Chapman
1: decision to leave uh, it's one I truly wanted to see missed it at the art museum uh, we'll see it eventually. Um, hopefully before I make my top 10 list or top 25 list. Um, didn't get a chance to see it. Love that filmmaker, um, but didn't get a chance to see it. Dalton Stewart. I'll leave right now. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I, I am also on my way out the door so I can catch up with Ruben Oslin's Triangle of Sadness. Oh, yes. Yes. I, like, yeah. I like Force Majeure quite a bit. I think that's a really good movie. And I've been really curious to check this out. Uh, always excited about a Woody Harrelson performance, uh, especially one that looks this fun. Uh, yeah, very intrigued by this movie. Uh, ready to see some rich people throw up all over themselves. I, I have to say, Dalton, and I watched this one a few weeks ago,
0: and it's one of those that's not even a top 15, but that does not mean it is not a hell of a time and just quite the experience and also just a really damn good movie.
1: Bring a barf yeah. bag and some drama mean.
0: Yeah, so I've heard. <laughs> he can't beat the Woody Harrelson. Daniel Kemper. Yeah,
3: so it's it's hard. I've in fact hurt, rem, am reminded of blind spots throughout uh, this podcast, and there's a part of me that probably would have originally said the menu, and I still want to acknowledge that as my honorable mention for blind spot. But it's got to be Todd Field's Tar. Yeah. I, I need to see that film, and I just I I am beating myself up every day that I
2: hey maybe it. you'll hate it. People hate. I know. It. Yeah, but it maybe is. even if you do, you're all wrong. You'll, you'll yeah. have a yeah. You'll you'll have an interesting time.
1: Yeah, It, it is, is on DVD and Blu-ray right now, so yeah. you yeah. can find it everywhere.
0: And even if you hate it, you'll at least walk away I think thinking about some stuff. So. Yeah, yeah,
3: absolutely. No, I will
0: will absolutely watch it. I suspect it is a film uh that I
3: will like. But we'll see. We'll see.
0: I'm going to cheat and say documentaries in general. I saw a handful of documentaries. None of them were that were super substantive. I was going th- over my list here. I saw Senior, uh, The uh, just, just saw that. Uh, that's the RGJ Robert Downey documentary. It was all right. You want to wanna cry real good? Uh, yeah, sure, Daniel. Wildcat. Oh, that was actually one of the ones I had listed in here. Yeah, pretty sad. Yeah, pretty sad. I, I caught a couple, but none that I thought were like super impressive. Definitely not the heavy hitters. I really wanted to see Fire of Love. I didn't see Moonage Day, Dream, which is that uh, David oh, Bowie doc. Moon Age Daydream is pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I liked it, I especially in time. IMAX. It was yeah, yeah. but that ruled. Oh, it performed oh, in
1: IMAX. In fact, that's how it premiered. It was fantastic. Talk it's about
0: true. a movie I should have seen in theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I also um, just based off of kind of like reading around that the documentary Three Minutes sounded really. Huh. Well, sounded like one of those strap in yes. <laughs> kind of yeah. documentaries, but uh, uh, it sounded really compelling. So, uh, documentaries are historically a blind spot. I I have some years where I go, I get really into them and watch a ton, but most years it's like eh, I catch like two or three, and then I'm I I try to get so focused on the scripted stuff. By the time we get to the end of the year, I'm like, oh
2: crap, I ran out of time. Well, all the
1: beauty of the bloodshed, uh, also. Also really great. Didn't yeah, make yeah. my top 10 list, but absolutely loved it as well. So I am yeah. putting it.
2: It's the only, I think it's see. the only doc this year I got to, honestly. But yeah, it really. It was worth be. it. Yeah. Totally worth it.
1: I've got it on my
0: list. Try to catch that before I vote from the OFCC. Uh, <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, those are uh, our top five films of uh, 2022. Um, you know, I have here a question about our top three most impi- uh, anticipated movies of 2023. If we can all agree to just rapid fire, shout them out really fast, I think we can still do that. So I'll go around the table. Starting to my left, Daniel Kemper, what are your three most anticipated films? of
3: 2022? Yeah, well, uh, Dune Part 2 course, Villeneuve's Dune part two. Uh, Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool with Mia Goth in it. Um, and then I honestly, I haven't been like super excited about a Wes Anderson film in a while. But like, I don't know, Asteroid City has me kind of excited. And I think like if it can capture a little of that old Rushmore glory, uh, I think I'll be in for
0: a good time. So those are my three. Great picks. I'm taking Dune 2 off my plate now. <laughs> uh, LeBron Chapman.
1: Uh, Scream 6, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon and Barbie. Oh.
2: Oh, God, Those I forgot Killers Hits. of the Flower Moon is allegedly going to come it out. Allegedly. I out thought year. it yeah. should have been this yeah. year.
0: I saw, by the way, I, okay, side, side tangent. I, There's I, an entirely other Martin Scorsese movie that is on the docket for next summer uh, about the Roosevelt. And
1: Killers of the Flower Moon I
0: can't find in release date for. So,
1: hey, we'll see if it comes out. Well, that's true. It was supposed to come out this year, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see next year. Dalton Stewart? Uh,
2: I, I am also very excited for uh, Greta Gerwig's Barbie and Evil News Dune Part 2. Uh, can't wait for those films. And I am also very excited about Elizabeth Banks' Cocaine Bear. Ah, yes. yes. Can't <laughs> yes. wait. That's going to be a good time.
0: Okay, I'm going to try to uh, write off a couple that haven't been mentioned yet. Uh, come on, guys. Tom Cruise. He did it with Top Gun Maverick. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. They're bringing back characters from the first movie. They're going to somehow try to retroactively tell us this was all part of one continuity the whole time. It's going to be uh, sick. He's going to jump off of... The, and whatever that motorcycle, daredevil motorcycle trip is. I, I, I'm, I'm into it. I'm going to see it in the IMAX. I can't wait. I love, similar to the John Wick movies, I love how dedicated Tom Cruise is to doing real life stunts. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I really didn't think I was going to be pumped about that movie, but damn, that trailer is really good. And I love James Mangold and uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's got it's got some good ingredients in there. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. It's a superhero movie, which I'm generally over, but the, the uh, end of the Spider-Verse was, I, I think, is a very rare exception where they're innovating and pushing animation forward and uh, really taking some big swings with the storytelling. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. And just casual shout out. Uh, again, you guys have all mentioned some of my others that I would have picked, but uh, Oppenheimer. Chris Nolan movie coming out next year. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our top five uh, films of 2022, our awards, and our uh, movies we're looking forward to most next year. Gentlemen, I'm sure listeners want to know where they can keep up with you and your work online. Dalton Stewart.
2: Uh, Yeah, if you want to check out more of me talking about movies, you can find us over at the Good Trash Genre Cast uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Podbean, wherever you put podcasts in your ears. Uh, We're going 10 years strong. We are about to put out our annual January Anti-Trash Marathon. Usually we're the show where we talk about the films you wouldn't discuss in a film studies course every January. we, uh, We do the opposite. We talk about the canon. Uh, So this year we're covering Breathless, M, Tokyo Drifter, and Blood Simple. And then towards the end of January, we'll probably do a top five over there. So if you want to see if my list changes, there's a good chance it might. Uh, I, you know, I'm I'm wishy-washy. There's a good chance I'll move Tar around. Uh, Maybe Barbarian or Women Talking will make it into the the final top five. Who knows? Uh, But that's good trash genre cast if you want to find me talking about movies um, at Good Trash Media on Twitter if you want to follow us. Uh, I'm, I'm at doll underscore stew if you want to keep up with me, but I don't, I don't tweet a whole ton. Uh, I'm just Dalton Stewart on Letterboxd, so if you want to follow me there, I'm very active and uh, love love to read other people's reviews. So uh, it's just Dalton Stewart over on Letterboxd.
0: Very nice. Man, it's a shame. We ran out of time to mention Barbarian and honorable mentions, but Barbarian, great movie. Sick film. Leron Chapman, where can people follow you online?
1: You can follow me under my name, Leron Chapman, on Facebook, or you can follow all of my reviews on Letterboxd at black underscore Cinema underscore man. Uh, excellent. Daniel Bokemper?
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, you can find me uh, three reviews, actually. The Whale, uh, Glass Onion, and, of course, um, Pinocchio. It didn't make my top five, but it was still a film I very much liked. Um, find three reviews, a triple thread of reviews over on the, cinema, uh, the Cinematropolis. Excuse me. Um, additionally, you can find me on Flick Attack, occasionally writing some a little bit shorter form reviews. Um, and then also uh, Twitter, Daniel, Daniel underscore Bowcamper. Um, not super active there, but you can usually find most of my stuff. Um, but also Letterboxd, uh, just Daniel Bowcamper um, on Letterboxd. I, I wish I got a little more creative with my name there, but I didn't, so –
0: Listen, ladies and gentlemen, what we're saying is you should get a Letterboxd account. Yeah, That's really where the action's at. Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd and Instagram if you just want to see photos. Uh, All C Masters Talk. That is Letter C Masters Talk. Letterboxd for movie reviews, Twitter for mostly still movie reviews, uh, and, uh, sometimes video game opinions, uh, and yeah, Instagram for photos that have nothing to do with movies 99% of the time. <laughs> so, uh, and of course you can find all of the podcasts we do, uh, here on the cinematic schematic over at the cinematropolis.com. Daniel Bo Kemper, Laurent Chapman, Dalton Stewart. Thank you gentlemen so much for spending over three hours of this evening talking about 2022 and film. I owe you guys a beer. Thanks gents. Cheers. Listeners, until next time, we'll catch you again in 2023.